get it going. It's time to get up. Bobby with a stretch pass to center. Three on one chance for the Canucks. Besser down the right wing. Shoots and scores. Brock Besser goes stick side on Matt Murray for his second of the game. And Vancouver leads 3-0. These guys are here to break it all down. It was a great win. It's not easy to beat a team uh, after you've beaten them twice. Uh, their team was extremely hungry tonight. You know, like I said, it was a good team win tonight. Get us back to 500. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Friday, January 29th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here. Perry Selkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass. Get those submissions in on the Dunbar Lumber text line for your Canucks in a song. What'd you see last night that got you feeling a groovy track this morning as the Canucks pick up a clean sweep over the Ottawa Senators? And that's more like at 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Ron McLean will drop by in an hour We'll talk to Ron. Lots to get to as the Canucks now roll out for a six-game road trip, but not before picking up three straight W's against a weak Ottawa Senators team where even their best isn't quite good enough, it seems, Pear. Yeah, the good news is it's Friday. The bad news is Ottawa's not on the schedule anymore. Um, it, it's it's amazing the trepidation and fear the fan base had on Monday going, man, you, you better figure this out against the senators. If you don't, you're in trouble. They do James and, and full credit every night. There are still some issues with this hockey team. And as much as I anticipated having the week that they did, it's funny. You go into tomorrow night and I'm going, I'm not so sure the level of competition to me at some point, it looked like a, a round Robin world junior game. Canada was playing a really, but there were moments. I mean, there was good pushback. Travis Green was probably right. That was a hungry team on the Ottawa side. Credit for the Canucks to be ready to go. Still don't know what they have, but I think they jump on a plane this morning on a day off feeling a lot better that, okay, here we go. We're 500. We're back. Let's see what you got, Jets. But make no mistake, they step up in competition a long time because that Senator team was weak. Well, you know what? And maybe the perfect cure as to what the Canucks needed at the beginning of this week, when you think about the buzz and the the concerns around this team, what, five days ago after getting throttled by the Montreal Canadiens, you know, all things considered, Pear, Vancouver went 4-2 and two on this six-game road trip, right? They went 4-2, and two, three wins against Ottawa, the shootout win over the Montreal Canadiens. That's kind of a mission accomplished in a lot of ways, going 4-2 and two on a six-game road trip or a six-game homestand, but now it's to find out what you got. And and I think these next two weeks from now, we'll know what exactly we've got with this Vancouver Canucks team, whether they're ready to be in it or they're pretenders here in this all-Canadian Gord Downey division. Well, it's one of those years where we can't just look at the numbers because you are exactly right. How many teams would sign up for four and two on a homestand, right? Everybody except when you find out, well, one of those teams beats you twice, right? And that's that's what you see. I, I think it's a good test that they, they get Montreal again because I don't think the Montreal Canadiens, at least in the Canucks' mind, are going, they're so much better than us. Uh, and, I, and I'm not negative. They, I mean, you play what's in front of you. 
and everybody played and the confidence they played with. Uh, I don't care if Ottawa was their absolute best. I don't think they were beating the Vancouver Canucks. But, James, you can also watch that game and go, yeah, man, still some mistakes here. You're making the mistakes. You take a five-on-three power play against Toronto or against Montreal. I don't like the chance of you coming away unscathed. So there's there's some cleaning up to do, and they admit it. Uh, but they get the confidence, and you're right. Four and two is fine. Now let's see if they can stay above 500 on this road trip, because there's just no easy nights except for when you see the Senators. <laughs> yes, there's no easy nights with the asterisk, uh, unless you're playing. Except, uh, you know, okay. Here's 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 positive takeaways from last night. Okay, one, the Lotto line, three more goals. Six goals in the last two games. It's imperative for this franchise to have their big offensive guns going. Petey looks alive. Miller is engaged. And I'll tell you what, man, pandemic addition to Brock Besser, I like it a lot. I mean, just that just that first goal to kind of open the scoring, step to the side of the net, walks in front, a little dangle, boom. Matt Murray must hate Brock Besser. And then the finish with the shot later. You know, this pandemic addition of Brock Besser, feeling good about that. Like that's that's a nice positive. Hoaglander, man, the hustle last night, pair. Wicked mm-hmm. forecheck forcing that turnover that leads to the piercing goal. You know, even a brief few seconds seeing him on the penalty kill, man. Kid competes, love it. You know, Jordy Ben, stay in your lane. Three block shots, just under sixteen minutes of ice time. That seems to be a nice sweet spot for Yukon Cornelius. And this week, we also saw the resurrection of the goaltenders, too. You know, three consecutive quality starts for Braden Holpe and Thatcher Demko. Like, those are the positives. Those are the th- those are the things that, to me, after last night, that's what I feel good about for this hockey team that we've seen and this team needed, needed this week. Brock Besser spoke uh, before training camp, um, you know, and kind of addressed hey, how you how you feeling and all that stuff, and and he went back and said, you know, mentioned his back and, you know, never talked about it, you know, when things are going on. But he mentioned that he's finally feeling healthy. And you have been one to go, man, where is that shot? Are we ever going to see it again? Man, have we seen it a few times? He's been fantastic with, with what he's been doing and how he's been playing. I love when that lotto line and even when they struggled. Here's what I like is their expectations that JT Miller talked about it. You know, we were better, but we should be out there trying to score every shift. We've got to be better than that. Besser makes such a smart play. They were waiting for the bumper play. He goes, you give me that space. I'll take it. One nothing. Yeah, just a little fist pump. Nothing more like, yeah, we got more work to do. I'll take that, that they're back. And, and I don't think it's a big deal to them when they see better defensemen because they think they can play against anybody. They proved it in the playoffs. Man, if Hoaglander had another three inches and another 10 pounds, he would be a monster in this league. Love this kid. Love the compete. Love how hard he goes. He could have. You know, he's a little bit like uh, Kyler Murray. His first couple steps are so fast. Like, he is in on the play constantly. He's going to get rattled around, and he comes up. I agree with you that. They're more balanced on the blue line. They get minutes for Jalen Chatfield. That worked for them. So that all goes positive, right? So those steps in the right direction. They have to see if they can do it against better teams. And and for the most part, I think as much as we didn't say the goalies were a problem at all, James, yeah, they were they were okay. But they were okay because they were facing two-on-ones and breakaways, and you can't pin it on them. Although there's Braden Holpe at a key moment of the game, comes up with a big breakaway save. Those are the timely saves that they didn't get, and they got them this week. Unless you have engaged firepower humming on all cylinders, 
average goaltending isn't going to win you a lot of games, but Demko we saw at the beginning of the week give you a quality start, followed it up Wednesday night, and then Braden Holpe. You know, I know some people make a case of the Oilers' uh, season-opening win in Edmonton that the Canucks had, but I would say that last night, you know, Braden Holpe, and, and you know what, hey, locking it down to key moments where, you know, there's Besser coughing up the puck at the end of the second period and breakaway by Connor Brown. Holpe comes up at the stop there, and then you had the five-on-three at the start of the third. Like, Ottawa had windows to get back into this game last night. You know, this wasn't a runaway win for the Canucks. I mean, Ottawa had some windows to get back into it. And Braden Holpe, like, not that they were all spectacular saves outside of the breakaway shot, but you know what? Braden Holpe played big. He looked comfortable out there. And that's encouraging for now you've got, whether it's Thatcher Demko's performances motivating Braden Holpe, but these two guys, this could be exactly what the Canucks were envisioning and hoping for. Two guys that are going to push each other. And where Demko might have the edge right now as your number one guy, uh, I'll tell you what, Braden Holpe kind of sitting up saying, hey, 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 don't forget me yet. Uh, the Dunbar Lumber text line hopping this morning. Everyone's up on this Friday. We see you. We hear you. Connects in a song, Bring It Our Way. And Maple Leaf, Dave, I see you this morning. He just simply said they played Ottawa. And and, and Dave, I, I wrestle with that too. You can only judge by what you're playing against. And honestly, I'm not, James, I don't know what we see tomorrow night. I like that Winnipeg. I don't know what we see on this road trip. You know, you said four and two on the homestand, but what do you do when you get Montreal three more times? Are they that good, or were you that poor last week? I think it was a combination of both, and I think I would lean more side. The Vancouver Canucks were that poor a week ago that they were shooting themselves in the foot and playing with little confidence. So this will be a great reminder, you know, watching as much as I could of the other games yesterday. Hey, the Montreal Canadiens are a team that I don't think they're sliding out of the top one or two perches there. They're just that deep, and if they get the goaltending. Edmonton Oilers in Toronto last night, from what I saw, I mean, it's the Leafs just can outscore their problems. I will give the two big original six teams the two teams that might never be in fear of missing out in the playoff spot. But then your Winnipeg, your Edmonton, your Calgary, I'm just not so sure. But with Vancouver playing well in the skill, that high-end skill that the Canucks have, and as you say, if they're playing well, I think that's enough to make this a playoff team. But I'm not sure I'll give you a better answer in 10 days because Maple Leaf, Dave, you're right. It's Ottawa. You uh, mentioned some of the other games going on last night. Tyler Toffoli with another goal last night, right? Tied that was so game. ugly, though. Come on, that was so ugly. <laughs> but it's still, man, but it's still a goal. But he scores. Yeah, but it's still, right? but it's still a, but it's still a goal, man. Like that, like what a, what a start. Now Besser's also got six to start the season, but okay, like let's let's have some real talk then. I, you know, in terms of, I, I, you know, I think we both kind of wanted to. Not sit there and crap on a team that wins three straight games, but there are two things that we need to address here. One, this Canucks team still bleeds shots, and that to me mm-hmm. is a concern getting set to go on the road against a, a Winnipeg team that has historically kicked the crap out of the Canucks over the last several years. Montreal, we already seen how that kind of rolls, so be cautious. And then the Leafs, well, that should be a fun up-and-down game anyway coming up next week with those three games in Toronto. But pair, I think a storyline that a lot of people were watching. I think we expected it. I believe you even called it or suggested for it at this time 24 hours ago. But Jake Vertanen scratched last night in favor of Adam Gaudet getting in here. And we're coming up on seven years with Jake in the, in the organization, right? Have we seen what the ceiling is now with Vertanen? And all that goodwill and optimism that, hey, you know, Jake, 
almost 20 goals last season. You know, maybe gets 20 had there not been a pandemic. But here's a guy that they kept for two years at $2.5 million, and he has offered the square root of Sweet F.A., since the beginning of this season and really has carried over what he did in sort of a flat playoff performance and got called out by his GM. And this guy just did not seem to come in with anything, any sort of fire under his A-double crooked letter to start this season. And it's a problem, man, because he was scratched again last night. Well, I would argue, is it a problem as much as it used to be? I think Jake Furtanen played a lot of hockey for this organization. Because quietly amongst the organization, they were saying, what other options do we have? Mm-hmm. And Jim Benning said as much when he joined us probably two months ago. Uh, when we said, hey, you know what? You, you called out Jake Furtanen at the end of the year. He said, yeah, you know what? I mean, we expected more from him. He needs to be better. And he said, you know, we've got options coming now. And I didn't think at that time when he told us, James, the option was going to be Niels Hoaglander getting a top six spot and working like a dog. I thought maybe the option at some point would be Zach McEwen working hard, trying to improve his game and being a better hockey player. And I think the organization feels uh, an option is sitting in Russia that will eventually get here at the end of April and might be good enough to plug and play in the NHL. So Jake for and watching, I'll have to say it. I had talked about it a couple of days ago. I was texting about it. If I'm making one change while they're beating Ottawa, it's the fact that, yeah, everybody's starting to show up, but I still couldn't see number 18. Then I've told you before, I like Adam Gaudet. I like the energy he brings, and I thought Adam Gaudet on the wing could be that option. You know, he had that top six before Hoaglander stepped up. So let him watch. And I'm not sure. I think Jake Furtanen will play again on this road trip. But Jake Furtanen is watching other guys pass him. And you can't do anything about that as far as an organization. The only guy who can do something is Jake Furtanen. And for whatever reason the commitment chooses not to be there. The desire to move your feet and skate and do everything wasn't there. I thought it was a really good move by Travis Green. I just wonder if we're going to see this summer the possibility of Jake being left available in the expansion draft and where that goes and what sort of reaction this market. And and I think if this would have been a conversation two years ago, man, imagine how polarizing that debate would have been. But coming up, if in the likelihood or the possibility that he would be exposed in the expansion draft and let him walk, I don't think there'd be too many people that would be overly broken up. Now, I think it's a whiff on on Jim Benning's part to take a kid at sixth overall and who has struggled to really kind of find a role in terms of what he really is in the National Hockey League after, what, seven years. Like It's tough to sit there and call him a kid anymore. Here's what Travis Green had to say on the, the scratching – of JV18 last night. I think you're going to see this periodically from guys. Uh, gods came out of the lineup. You know, you don't have practice time. Uh, I think Jake hasn't quite found his game yet this year. You know, needs a little reset. Needs to get on the ice and feel the puck and practice a bit. Put some work in. Sometimes just getting getting away from a game uh, helps a player. And I'm hoping it does because I, I, I think he's better than what he's shown so far this year. You know, not not that I think it. I know it. He's a good player. We need him to be at his best. I know he wants to play his best, and I just don't think he has yet. Uh, felt like it was time to bring him out of the lineup and, and reset him when he goes back in. Hopefully he plays better for himself and for us as a team as well because um, we need him to. Perry waited for it. You know, how many times do you hear the conversation before the playoffs, right? You know, this kid, you know, he's built for the playoffs. Just wait. Let's see what he can do in the playoffs. You know, this is it. 
Ah, uh, well, we kind of saw it and wasn't exactly inspiring from what we saw last summer in the bubble. Here we go again. Does it light a fire under him? Man, this guy was called out by his GM last summer. At some point, you kind of wonder. There's the old expression I remember once learning when I was a kid. Beware the silent man because he's either dead or deadly. <laughs> in this case with Jake Vertanen, kind of lean towards the dead, right? You get called out by your GM. Like, if that's not motivation enough when you get called out by your boss publicly to step the hell up and you kind of show up like this to start the year, man, like, it kind of feels like you've had every opportunity. You got scratched to start the playoffs last year, and you came out flat. You got called out by your GM. You had a whole offseason to get fired up, and where'd you come up? You wound up in the press box. And you don't even have salty popcorn to crush because we're in a pandemic. But I'll ask you this. Um, Travis's answer of a reset, that's fine, right? Jake Vertanen isn't good enough, doesn't offer enough to play through poor hockey. JT Miller does. Yes, Pedersen does. And we watched it. So we watched it. We were disappointed going, are you kidding me? They're terrible. What decisions are they making? Jake Vertanen wasn't in that conversation half the time of bad decisions because Jake Vertanen just wasn't in the play. Adam Gaudet was decent, but, you know, he would disappear once in a while. So He's okay. But when Adam Gaudet was in the press box, ahead, yeah. that's okay. Like, I think you can reset it. I think Zach McEwen will go upstairs for a bit at some point. I think Jake will come down and play. Gaudet probably goes. Chatfield, the same thing. So in this crazy schedule, it does allow you to do this. Now, it's a question of when does Jake get back and what's he like when he gets back. Who knows? I mean, and even Godet, like, you know, what's what's Godet? And as Godet, you know, you talk about Jake Vertanen being a future and being passed by. Are we, are we not seeing that with Adam Godet now, right? And when Pod well, Colson I, gets here? Well, I would here, say when you're looking in the future, you know Sutter's gone uh, unless you're signing with a different deal. So so there is a vacancy there. And, talk, you know, let, let's talk about the depth this team has in the organization at center ice if that's where Godet's going to play. I, I think there's less there than there is on the wing with Pod Colson coming and a young Hoaglander and McEwen. Um, and, and Gaudette hasn't had seven years at it. You know, in my mind, this is really year two at the big club to prove you could stay. Well, I mean, he was drafted in 2015, right? Like, we're coming up on six years. And what, he had the ELC, you know, the end of the, the ELC where he, where he got those few games in on the back end a couple of years ago. And last year, now we got another year. I would say this. At this point right now, if your best option for your third-line center is Adam Gaudet, I'd feel like that's a hole for the team right now. Right? You'd feel yeah, better about Gaudet yeah, on the I, wing. You know, I would I would give him time. Text lines is hopping. Jake can walk. I have no problem with it. It's really hard because he's not noticeable. His role has now turned into just taking up space. I think at the end of the day, what we're speaking to is, well, is it the local Jake story, the great story? We needed Jake to be good because we didn't know if there was a lot there. Like, Niels Hoaglander was not a conversation four weeks ago. Now we watch him. I know from a TV side, Shorty said, man, this guy's relentless. He is. He's fun to watch. When he's over the boards, he's doing something, and sometimes not even on the line with, with Horvat and Pearson. So now Jake isn't needed as much, right? So when you don't need a guy as much, even though you're cheering for him, you love the story, guess what? It's, it's great that you're back. I don't need you anymore, man. I've, I've got new friends. I don't need you. That's what we might be seeing with Jake Furtanen. 
650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. I uh, also got Bins and Langley saying they were playing Ottawa, yes, but they beat them as they should be in dominant fashion. Outscoring Ottawa 16-3 to is something to be proud of. All right, it's time to hit the music, all right? It is 19 minutes after 6 o'clock. What do you say we fire up? The DJ, DJ Greg Ballack, ready to get rolling. Our Canucks in a song, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Pear, here's where I'm going with mine this morning, all right? I'm going channeling a little schoolhouse rock. If anybody remembers watching those Saturday sure. morning cartoons, I think you can find them on Disney Plus now. And, you know, I'm going to use the read the reworked version of this song courtesy of Blind Melon from the early 1990s. They swept the Senators, and that's why three is the magic number. Yeah, took care of business. Clean sweep of the Sens, and you're back to 500, and you got your big guns humming along here now as your three, Besser, Pedersen, Miller. Three is the magic number for me. Uh, nice call with that. I, you know, I was debating how do I how do I come up with uh, the song for last night? How do you, do you take the series? Uh, what different way can you look at it? And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go at this one differently. And I know we love it. And and keep bringing your Canucks in a song, and you always like that that poppy step that you got us. It's a Friday. You're feeling good. And I hate to bring everybody down because it's a slow song, but I think lyrically it is very important. And I went with the Canucks in the song as though I was canvassing the Ottawa Senators dressing room. Hmm. What would you think about how you played and what you did to the Vancouver Canucks this past week? And I came up with Coldplay, Fix You. Lights will guide you Thank you, Ottawa Senators. The lights guided them home, and they fixed the Vancouver Canucks. My Canucks in the song, a little fix you from Coldplay. You know, the first half of that song is beautiful. There's a, there's a great interview with uh, with the band where the guitarist was kind of relaying, like, man, this was like the first time hearing this song, and it was so beautiful, and it kind of really moved me emotionally. And then Chris Martin kind of chimes in with, and then you had to ruin the song with that guitar solo on the back end, <laughs> which is so perfect because it is such a beautiful song. Uh, 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Man, they are just flying in here on this Friday morning. Uh, how about this one? This one coming from Joey. Very fitting. A little Ramones and Beat on the Brat. Beat on the Brat. Beat on the Brat. That's what they kind of did, right? They beat on the Brat. 16-3 in aggregate over three games, Bear. Like I said, it looked like a world journey round robin. Oh, boy. Tough night for Kazakhstan again. I thought, listen, and you and I talked, I thought the Ottawa Senators would be a better hockey team. They were pushed over. They'll get better. How they beat the Leafs to start the season, I'm not sure. But, yeah, they ran over them. They did, for the most part, guaranteed. Uh, Matt Murray needs to be better, that's for sure. Uh, David uh, going with Crowbar, and what a feeling. feeling. 
Yeah, three wins. It is a nice feeling, and the lotto line's alive. How about Mark with this Fleetwood Mac classic, Don't Stop. I would think that Jim Benning's got to be thinking yesterday's gone, right? After the start of the week that it was, now they're going to have to start thinking about tomorrow because you got the Jets kicking off a six-game roadie pair. Well, we heard Travis Green talk about, you know, Jake Vertanen used the word reset. I think they jump on that plane today, head to Winnipeg, understanding that they've been fortunate and they can look. I mean, we are, we're, what, 20% almost through of the season, right? They've played 10 games. And what essentially have done is been able to reset a tough start. And uh, you have to feel comfortable because I think they've always believed in their team. Then they see themselves dig a hole. Now they've dug themselves out of it. Let's jump on a plane. Let's reset. And let's start it all over again and prove that we are not a hockey team that's going to be struggling like we did against Calgary and like they did against Montreal. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Jeff with a little Daft Punk and get lucky. She's up all night to the sun. I'm up all night to get some. She's up all night for good fun. I'm up all night to get lucky. We're up all night to the sun. I'll tell you what, the way the schedule kind of played out, look, you've got to win those games. You've got to take care of business. But pair with how anxious this market was back uh, from Saturday night and to where it is now, the schedule couldn't have lined up better. Maybe they're a little lucky that they caught a break like this with the Senators here. Well, I, I think they were. Uh, I, I think there was concern that it, if, you know, the Vancouver Canucks are going to beat the Vancouver Canucks on a lot of nights, and I think they did. I, I, I'm, I'm questioning giving how much power we give the Montreal Canadiens because uh, I thought the Canucks were so bad. But, James, as we discussed, too, and we'll continue on this morning, you know, there were still some dumb decisions that were made by the Canucks with the puck. I think they're so talented that even on the power play sometimes they try and make a cross-ice pass. They go, yeah, that didn't need to be there. Just shoot it more. But that's what you get with top-end skill. That's how they see the game. That's how it all started, unnecessarily with Petey making a pass when he didn't have to, and then your tic-tac-toe goal, and go, oh, thank goodness they are back. But uh, got to be good to be lucky. Got to be lucky to be good, and they found a little of that uh, at home all this week. Decisively, now we go, and I don't mean to belittle Ottawa, but it seems like it starts for real tomorrow night in Winnipeg. Uh, Kyle, with his submission from GNR, it's easy. I think six teams around the uh, North Division will be feeling that against the Senators this season. Although, you know, I, I feel like it's too bad we just couldn't use my favorite part of the song where Axel drops the, I see you standing there. You think you're so cool. Anyway, one of my favorite lines in rock and roll. Uh, 27 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Friday morning. Tons of submissions coming in already on the Dunbar Lumber text line. We'll continue to keep the good times rolling all morning long. Jay, East Fan Tommy, John, we see you all. We'll get to some of your tracks coming up a little later on. But in a moment, it is the era of the empowered athlete. And it's great in some respects until they won out of your town. That story next, right here on your home of the Canucks. It's Friday here on Sportsnet 650. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 
Friday morning, Sabalski, Solkowski, Canucks winners again. We'll get to more of that in just a moment, but James Harden wanted out, and he got it. Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out. See ya. Patrick Laine wanted out. Peace. Now it's Deshaun Watson's turn to ask out. We'll see what the end game is here, but it's hard not to think that the talented quarterback has just played his last game with the Houston Texans. I am done. I don't deserve this. I really do not deserve this. You know, it's nothing new for players to want to be traded, but the trend seems to be growing at a massive rate these days. The empowered athlete has certainly become a thing this generation, more so than ever before. Players finally understand their worth, and they're now calling their shots even under contract. It's a trend that's been happening for a few years now in the NBA. A star wants out to join another team, and the rise of the super team has been prevalent now for about 13 years. Celtics did it, then the Heat, and the Warriors created one of the greatest dynasties in league history, mostly through a draft, but KD wasn't exactly a homegrown talent. But who remembers this from a hockey standpoint 30 years ago? The Quebec Nordiques are very proud to select as first pick overall in the 1991 NHL annual draft, the General d'Oshawa, the Junior de l'Ontario, from the Oshawa Generals of the OHL, Eric Lindros. That was 1991. Lindros refused to play for the Nordiques. And guess what? Big E won. He later landed in Philly. Lindros was a unicorn in the sport, both on and off the ice. But look at today. Now, players asking out happened here seven years ago when Ryan Kessler wanted to be done with Vancouver. Luongo did, too. And look at how we view those polarizing players now. Bobby Lou less than more Kess, but they rejected this market, and it hurts. Personally speaking, I love seeing a big trade go down. If I have no emotional connection to a team, player, or city, I'm usually all in for a swap to analyze. But when it impacts your team, your city, which translates to your home, there's way more at stake, especially when you feel like your town's disrespected. Now, leagues have tried to restrict movement with the NHL preventing unrestricted free agency until 27 or seven seasons in the league. The NBA has a similar rule, as does Major League Baseball, and the NFL will let you spread your wings after four seasons, but they don't exactly have all the guaranteed contracts like the others. But honestly, if someone doesn't want to be there, why would you want them? Problem is, it's the ramifications when you want out that triggered this discussion on Hockey Central yesterday afternoon between Elliot Friedman and Brian Burke. When you ask for a trade, you're going to have to recognize that not everybody is going to forgive you for it, and that's life. Yeah, I think that's right. The, the alarming thing to me as a former GM is, and I worked in big markets and I worked in small markets. I worked in a small market, uh, two of them actually, Hartford and, and Anaheim. The alarming thing for me is the disturbing trend is the, the guys that appear to be asking out are asking out of, of smaller markets. Yeah, and that's that's alarming to me. Big and small markets have become the haves and have-nots in North America. We've seen this in soccer forever with the transfer system, but it's all beginning to mirror each other. Winnipeg and Columbus made a deal work in which both sides seem to have won here. 
But Dubois will be vilified in Columbus whenever he's back there, while Winnipeg will likely skip the hero's return for Patrick Laine. After all, nobody likes rejection. Hey, what about this moment in Vancouver sports history? The Vancouver Grizzlies select Steve Francis from the University of Maryland. Oh, remember the look on Stevie Franchise's face when this city reached its arms out to welcome him when the Grizzlies took him second overall? I haven't seen that disappointed a look since I told my kids broccoli was on the menu. Athletes wanting to call their shots is becoming the new norm and will only likely grow in the coming years. Hopefully just not to your player in your town. But because we've been there, done that, and it sucks. And that's this morning, Seaball says. How often do you hear the term in management and or coaching at some time that you kind of have to be a little bit of baby of a babysitter? Make sure everyone's okay. How are they feeling? Do they like anything? Can we catch you anything? You know, I'll, I'll take, you know, Steve Francis is the prime example. And, and you talk about broccoli with the kids. It's the old, you know what? Don't knock it till you tried it. Steve Francis knocked it and knocked the city before he even tried it. And I remember spending a, a, an afternoon with them at the time because we had the rights to the Grizzlies. And I thought, man, nice young kid, very naive and unwilling to have an open mind as to what he could be getting into. With Patrick Laine, and, and we won't see it, James, because we don't have fans. Uh, I got a lot of respect for Patrick Laine. I wouldn't be happy if I'm a Winnipegger. As a Jets fan, the way he played this year and showed the effort, I'll go, okay, well, that, that's fine. But if you don't like something, it hurts. Deshaun Watson is the big talk right now in the NFL. He wants to go. I love Deshaun Watson. If I lived in Houston, I'm sure I would be a massive fan. And you know what? I'd be a smart enough sportsman to go, you know, sometimes I don't blame you. J.J. Watt, we played the audio. He apologized, said, man, we wasted one of your years. Yeah, you've been making the stupidest trades. You haven't treated this guy well. And now there's talk this morning that maybe they'll talk to Jacksonville and say, hey, you want Deshaun Watson and maybe you give us the number one pick overall? It's the power and it's the dollar of the athletes, right? It's important as a franchise, you have to give to them. And if they start complaining as much as you want to play the role that Berkey did with Burray and wants guys to hold out and we're not going to talk about them, at some point, they're more valuable than your job. And you realize to keep your job, you need to get your team better. And having a superstar on the sidelines was not going to be the way to do it. Yeah, a disgruntled athlete is, doesn't exactly help the franchise, Perrin. And, you know, you look at what, what the Canucks have right now in terms of hope in this market. And, you know, there's been some bad breakups with this franchise, right? Outside of the Sedins, I mean, you look at most players, uh, there's been some absolutely awful breakups, not always on the player's account, but, you know, obviously, look, I mean, the most talented player in franchise history wanted out, right? It was done with this city in Pavel Bure. Bad breakup. Mm-hmm. You know, Ryan Kessler, bad breakup. You know, and you look at some of the breakups over the years, um, over the course of history, you know, you know, Peter Nedved, right? Like, how did that work out here? And, you know, you see it in a lot of different Man, the Ottawa Senators just rolled through town here. I mean, look at their history with star players. Alexei yeah. Yashin, Danny Heatley, you know, even Daniel Alfredson. I mean, the guy that you could build a statue of that guy in that market. And, you know, even that ended in a bad breakup. That part was on ownership. But, you know, it sucks when your guy doesn't want to be in your town anymore. But I think that this is becoming a trend that 
man, athletes understand their worth now, Pear. And you, you hope that, you know, Hughes and Petey and those guys that are, are wanting to be here for a long, long time and, and don't feel the other way about something at some point down the road. And I think that's the hope with <laughs> these guys finally have something special here after a long time. You just hope it doesn't get screwed up somehow, some way. Well, and at Berkey's point, he's worried because it's two markets that a lot of people don't think much of, right? In Winnipeg and Columbus, you look to the NBA and Giannis Antetokounmpo deciding to stay in Milwaukee and how people thought, hey, man, there's a win for the small market. In the era of 2021 and chasing big dollars and wanting more of a spinoff for your brand, here's the best player in the NBA that said, no, I'm good in Milwaukee, man. That's good enough for me. Uh, so, so much of it is ha- how you treat your players, uh, you know, and, and, and Berkey will talk about it. And, you know, we have Bertuzzi and Jovo and, and Berkey has a lot of players that say, man, that guy, that guy was down there and he cared about me, the person. And you hope that that can outweigh some other difficulties that be, might be going. I think Vancouver for a destination has always been something that, yeah, their taxes are an issue. But if the team's going the right way, I think most players want to play there to win. But that's the challenge. It's not only what is your player like on the ice, it's how's his family, how can we make sure they're happy, and when they become disgruntled, then that's it. Your your team has some friction, and more importantly, your fan base is there to go, oh, let's get his jersey, that's it with this guy. So, you know, for the most part, Kessler's kind of the last one in the 10 years where you've, you've really seen it, but you're right, over the 52-year history, the Canucks have had their share. 6.42, Ron McLean will join us just after 7 o'clock. And in a moment, we're going to crunch the numbers. We're playing Stat Me Up next on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Grab your calculators because it's time to Stat Me Up on the starting lineup. Here's James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown. All right, 6.48. Let's bring in our resident million-dollar man from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing, Uh, Scott Brown. Did you get any of that GameStop stock or what? (laughs) I did not, but I certainly was watching it. And uh, it's 6.49 now, which is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's unbelievable. You could have bought it for 76 bucks as of Tuesday. It was, uh, oh, my God. You know. (laughs) Let's say up 96% we just heard on our update here moments ago. Yeah, that's enough to make your nose ring pop. (laughs) Man, I I, should have, you know, stick to gaming, everybody. Stick to gaming. That's the future. Pear, what's your number this morning, buddy? Guys, I'm going to go with five this morning. Look, he's in. Breakaway time. Here comes the fully shorthanded bouncing puck. Yeah, they opened up their first home game for the Canadians, scored their fifth shorthanded goal, Tyler DeFoley's. It was ugly, but it's another shorty. That's five in seven games. That ties an NHL record. They've been on fire. They only had six all of last year. Who did they tie in that record? Three teams, Flyers, Oilers, and Wings that had scored that many shorthanded goals in that short period of time. And guys, all three of those teams in that particular year won a Stanley Cup. Mm. Scotty, where are you going? I'm going 649. Back to the left circle, Brock Besser with a shot in front, Pedersen scores! So what a difference a couple games make. Uh, First game against Ottawa, no points for that line. 11 points in two games, everybody's feeling good. Canucks get 16 goals to three for Ottawa. Um, and I do think, you know, I don't expect this is going back around the road. Uh, but it's exciting to see. And when, when we're playing like that, it's fun to watch again. 
Unbelievable how they've played. Yeah, it's you're right, Scott. What a difference a week is making. What do you got, Seaball? Uh it's a very simple number. The loneliest number. One. Moves in with Lafreniere. He scores his first NHL goal. Alexei Lafreniere wins it in overtime. Okay, lots of ones here, boys and girls. Keep up if you can, but the Rangers' Alexis Lafreniere becomes the first player selected first overall in the NHL draft to have his first career NHL goal occur in overtime. There you go. The magic number, or the loneliest number, if you will, won this morning, and it's Alex Lafreniere making history for the Rangers, finally getting his first NHL goal. Yeah, waiting for a while. Scott, what do we got for a real estate number on this Friday morning? Well, I'm going to go back in time, and we're going to use the number 2017. Okay, 2017. Uh, so what happened in 2017? We saw a lot of rapid price appreciation. We're going to have the real estate stats out shortly, and those real estate stats are probably going to show that September's continuing the pattern of last year. But townhome prices and prices in general are going up almost every two or three days at new townhome projects. And they're going up significantly on the resale market. I've been watching that they're up 16% so far in January in Surrey, 16% in Langley. They're up 10% in Vancouver. It's just crazy right now. And it reminds me of 2017 where we had six straight months of that. I'm not saying we're going to see this for six months, but it sure feels like 2017 again. You know, there's there's a neighbor who just sold their property uh, the other day, Scotty, and uh, you know she got uh, she was asking her property was somewhere in the neighborhood of a two, and got it within two days, and like it just wow. things are selling right now. But what's the trend? I mean, is are these are these city slickers cashing out to suburbia, or you know this isn't the foreign money that we were. <laughs> No, 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 it's no, no, about no, six years ago. No, like, no. What's, you what's the trend? question, and why it's townhomes is you got there's a certain number of families every year that just need more space. That's happening. None of this is being driven by immigration. That's yet to come again when it turns back on. But it's basically just our population needing this form of housing and looking to get you know out of the central areas and looking at townhomes. And you've got every month, you've got somebody heading you know north of my age giving their parents, their kids, the money to get a deposit to get into the market because the interest rates are low. So there's a lot of that going on too, like there was in kind of 2016-17 before we started seeing, you know, controls and stress tests and all these things to kind of slow it down. Uh, I don't, like I said, I don't think long-term appreciation of pricing is going to be hot this year, but it's on right now. Yeah, right. And you're right, man. When When the lending and the interest rates are as low as they are, everyone's Man, they always think jump in, jump in wherever. But man, we had a conversation like this ten months ago, where we just figured it was going to go the other way. And Scotty, as you tell us every Friday, it just doesn't stop. Let's hope the Canucks don't stop. It was a fun week to watch. Enjoy it this weekend, pal. And uh, we're a week away from Super Bowl. You too. Next week we'll have the hard stats, and we can talk some more. But have a great one, guys. You too, Scotty. There he is, Scott Brown from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing, playing a little stat me up this morning here on this Friday edition of the starting lineup. Hey, lots to get to. Uh, a lot of people jumping in on the Dunbar Lumber text line from our conversation over uh, the course of the morning uh, with respect to Vertanen's future, with respect to Gaudet's future here. Uh, a lot of people jumping in with their submissions uh, at 650-650 as well for their Canucks and a song. Ron McLean's going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. We'll dive into that and more on the Canucks' clean sweep of the audit. 
Senators as they outscore the Sens 16-3 and get set to embark on a big six-game road trip as they move back to 500. We'll get into all of it in moments here on this Friday edition of the starting lineup right here on your home of the Canucks or Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Holby with a stretch pass to center. Three on one chance for the Canucks. Besser down the right wing. Shoots and scores. Brock Besser goes stick side on Matt Murray for his second of the game, and Vancouver leads 3-0. These guys are here to break it all down. It was a great win. It's not easy to beat a team uh, after you've beaten them twice. Uh, their team was extremely hungry tonight. You know, like I said, it was a good team win tonight. Get us back to 500. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. It's 7 o'clock. It is Friday, January 29th. What's happening, everybody? Hour number two with the starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650. James Cebulski, Perry Solkowski with you. We'll catch up with Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada in just a few minutes. Canucks sweep the three-game series against the Ottawa Senators. Kind of get their swag back, if you will. The lotto line's clicking again, Pair. You got offense, six uh, goals from Pedersen, Besser, and Miller over the last two games. So they're ready to go as they get set for a big six-game road trip against Montreal, Toronto, and Winnipeg starting tomorrow night in the peg. But I, I tell you what, man, a lot of people talking about where Jake Vertanen's future lies once again with this organization after being made a healthy scratch again Travis Green suggested this could be a trend for some guys over the course of the season, but Jake's just not good enough. And we're coming up on almost seven years here. And the the temperature for a lot of people here now, this morning, they're kind of willing to just cut bait here. I think people are about done. Jake Vertanen's name has been a chart topper when it comes to discussion on Sports Talk Radio. You like him more, give him more chances, he'll be here. Who is he? What kind of player is he? Uh, he's an option now, and, and that's it. And a guy who can be taken to the lineup for a reset. But as Jim Benny discussed with us before the season started, they wanted more from Jake, and there's people behind Jake coming up the bus. And by the way, Niels Hoaglander has passed him. And right now, Zach McCune has passed him. So it's on Jake Vertanen. And, hey, he's a serviceable NHL player. But to think like Jake Vertanen is going to be the guy, he may jump on a top six line for a couple of games at some point, have a spurt. But the future of Jake Vertanen and the Vancouver Canucks, it's in his hands. And guess what? Other people have passed him. So watch, reset. Hopefully when he gets back in the lineup, he's better. But it just it's not the temperature anymore, James, that it used to be that it's Jake, Jake, Jake. Don't give up on Jake. Well, everyone's gone. Okay, Jake, you're you're still here, Jake, right? How about that Niels Hoaglander? He's relentless. You know, they, they sign him to the extension of the two years, $2.5 million, and I even wonder how hard it would be to move $2.5 million with that price tag with another year for Vertanen going forward. And Craig and Surrey, the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. I have two words for Jake. Bye, Felicia. Another text coming in. Jake can walk. I have no problem with it. It's really hard to because he's not noticeable. His role has now just turned into taking up space. And, you know, look, you know, I think a lot of people expected the Canucks to take care of business against the Senators, and they certainly did just that. And, you know, hey, you got to execute. They outscore the opposition 16-3. 
But to see the scenario where Vertanen scratched once again, Pear, here's the hometown kid, and you look at the ripple effect that it had on the franchise taking Jake sixth overall, right? And you, you look at, you could have had Matthew Kachuk two years later, but you opted to go for your levy because organizationally you felt like, okay, you know what, we've committed to Vertanen here two years ago with a sixth overall pick, so that's going to be our power forward. So you opted to go with Yolevi where you could have had an impact player in your top six. Like, imagine Matthew Kachuk playing alongside Besser and Petey, right? Or imagine Matthew Kachuk playing on the wing with Bo Horvat. How truculent that line could go out and be, right? Like, it's the impact that has had on the organization with Vertanen to the point now where, hey, look, Everybody has kind of stopped selling hope on this kid. And if he were ultimately left exposed to the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft this summer, I think it'd be a tantalizing selection for the Kraken. But at the same time, I think this organization, I think this fan base has just seen enough to kind of say, you know what, I'm tired of defending this guy. Well, you have to move on. I mean, you could play the John Lennon Imagine and go through every team and look at the draft pick that they got wrong and what was hoped for. More expectations because he's local. You know, Jake will get back to the lineup, and Travis Green said as much. He needs a reset. You know, Adam Gaudet being pulled to the lineup was, all right, go and come back and have some energy. Zach McEwen, we've seen it in the first three weeks. Well, go there. The, the only difference is, is we never thought because of where he's selected that Jake Vertanen belongs in the sentence I just mentioned with an Adam Gaudet and with a Zach McEwen. But he does. And his, his body of work shows that's where he belongs. Because the expectation has been it should be more. It hasn't. So let's categorize him where he belongs. Right now, a guy in the bottom six who's a, an NHL player who might bring it on some nights, but for the most part, you, you don't see him. Um, and if he doesn't hurt you, you just go, yeah, there he is, taking up space. I like the move by Travis Green. And I'm sure Jake will come back and be more noticeable. But how many times have we had this conversation? Remember back when he was scratched and then he plays in L.A. and has like 15 hits? Ah, they told me I got to hit more people. And he did for a game or two. So I think you just move on and be happy with what you have and celebrate a Niels Hoaglander and get excited about a Pod Colson as they come down the road. And Jake is just now a bit player in this hockey team. I think you've kind of, you're not selling hope on somebody you've seen for seven years in the organization. No, All right. Not anymore. Uh, 650-650 is Dunbar Lumber text line. Hey, don't forget to get those submissions in for your Canucks of the Song. We'll play Canucks of the Song coming up at 7.30 this morning. You know who would be perfect to play Canucks of the Song with sometime is a guy who loves his music. I was always amazed at the fountain of knowledge that Dave Hodge, a former Hockey Night in Canada employee, would bring when I worked with Dave. But, man, I'm always blown away by the references that our guest at Ron this time from a- Hockey Night. Ron is a musical genius as well. Happy Friday, sir. Well, Hodge has got us uh, by a mile, as you know, James. Uh, he he was uh, good friends with uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, uh, they 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 adore Hodge. Actually, flips the other way. Uh, they they went out of their way to try and meet him in Minnesota one time. Uh, and yeah, it doesn't matter how obscure the artist. Uh, Dave Hodge will give you the discography and much much more. But yeah, I love. It's funny. I was just uh, we've been compiling little quotes from the. Six seasons and 150 stops of Rogers Hometown Hockey and Brian Smith uh, from Trooper. Uh, he composed uh, Santa Maria up in Prince Rupert in the bay there, and he did a lot of his compositions in Langley, B.C., where he lives, of course. We're here for a good time, not a long time. And Ray McGuire was the singer, and they were collaborators, but it's really fun to think about some of the musicians. Like I, another quote, uh, Jonathan Torrens, I'll put this one out soon, said, Sidney Crosby's low-key like Anne Murray. To appreciate Anne Murray... 
try to sing Snowbird. You can't. Now, for those who don't know what Snowbird is, massive uh-huh. Ant's first single back in the early 1970s. <laughs> I gotta yeah, stick to oh, I'll yes. stick to Animal Crackers, Ron. That was uh, that's where my uh, that's where my limitation with the Anne Marie uh, her her kids album when I was a kid that dropped. Actually, James, it, it's Perry, funny, just Ron. Vote. You say that there's always that fascination, right? Hockey players want to be rock stars, and Canadian rock stars want to be hockey players. Isn't that the case? Well, I've told the story too many times about how many goaltenders were front men of uh, rock and roll bands. Gord Downey, of course, of the Tragically Hip, was a goaltender. Alan Doyle of Great Big Sea is a goaltender. Greg Keeler of Blue Rodeo is a goaltender. Andy Mays of the Sky Diggers is a goaltender. Um, I could probably list uh, Grant Lawrence, who lives in wow. Vancouver, you know, is a goaltender. And it's just uh, David Francie, who composed the music we use for Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada, is a goaltender. Uh, so uh, there's kind of a connection, first of all, to goaltending. Uh, and then after that, I think any any form of creativity, your ability to see the ice is no different than your ability to create the song. Well, do we have a sense of who the Canucks are after, what, 10 games now here? Or do you think this road trip might be a little more indicative of whether this team is a contender or pretender in the North Division? Well, I, I just to go back, first of all, to the uh, you were having the conversation about Gaudet on the wing and Vertan and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked uh, Satyar Shah's story about Gaudet's life partner, getting him on a proper diet for this season and putting yeah. on some weight and so forth. <laughs> I, it reminds me of when I was a DJ in Red Deer, and there was a story of a, a woman in Red Deer who was trying to lose weight, as we all do, her New Year's resolution was. And so her idea was to, and we asked for suggestions, and her idea was to put pictures uh, from the Sports Illustrated swimsuit on her fridge. So she put uh, models named Cheryl Teagues, uh, Farrah Fawcett, Christy Brinkley. She smothered the uh, fridge in swimsuit models which would remind her every time she went to the fridge to not uh and it was great she said i lost five pounds the bad news is my husband gained 10 <laughs> i always love that story well as far as uh, i think i think the uh, uh you know ottawa was the cure for what ails uh, came at the right time uh it was great to see uh, elias Pettersson uh, handling and controlling and carrying the puck more uh, he both were good though. Besser uh, in his interview uh, with Dan Murphy, and same with uh, Elias the previous show when he said, "Well, it's all well and good to say after two points that I'm, you know, back." Um, but he said, "We all feel like we're not playing well," and I, I, I think that's, you know, the Canucks need to have that, re- you know, realization that they still are capable of so much more. Um, Jim Benning was a, a defenseman, and he broke in, and you know his rookie year, he scored 13 goals, 40 points. He was a sensation, and he knows how hard it is to sustain. Consistency is everything. So the, the Canucks' good run has, you know, he he knows as well as anybody that that they have a team with tons of talent, and I, I'm glad to hear the players, uh, even in success, sort of own up to the fact that they know there's more there. Do we have a sense, Ron? And, and I'd like your opinion on on how this this North division will play out. James and I have kind of looked and it's difficult because we're going, well, what are the Canucks? We didn't expect this. And now I think the reset their 500. Now we'll get a better idea as they leave behind Ottawa and, and stop in Winnipeg and, and Montreal and Toronto. But do you see the two big guns, the original six as Toronto Montreal as the two that will hover in the one, two spot and we'll let the other four cities battle it out for playoff position. Or is it too early? Yeah, no, I, 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 the one thing that is Freddie Anderson in the league of uh, Carey Price or Jacob Markstrom, no. uh, it was great to see Thatcher Demko, you know, and obviously Hopi was really good last night. 
So they all have strong goaltending, like everybody, except Edmonton. That's the one Achilles heel for, for the team that seems to have the two top guns. We, you know, with all due respect to Marner and Matthews and Elias Patterson, uh, they, they seem to have the, the, the two best forwards in, in hockey, but they don't have the net mining. So I, I, I do think in playoffs, goaltending wins. As far as the 56-game sprint, um, yeah, too early to handicap. But but I do think we're seeing you know some, some good indications of uh, – Special teams, I think, are extremely important, and Vancouver's power play is what it is. Great. Uh, Toronto's is sensational. Uh, so, And then Montreal, yeah, just top to bottom. Their, their defense, what I, what I marked uh, you know, last night watching the Canadians beat Calgary was uh, Kevin Bieksa jokes a lot about the trident. He loves Ben Sherratt, and he puts him with Jeff Petrie and Shea Weber as the three anchors of the defense. But I kind of realized, again, n- nothing new under the sun here, but Carey Price on three consecutive dump-ins by Calgary, he's the guy that plays the puck, right? Once Kachuk made a soft dump to the no-fly zone, and that was effective. But other than that, and Carey Price actually initiated the play that led to the Josh Anderson killing goal. Uh, so it was just, or you could say that Toffoli was the killing goal, but um, he, he's just so valuable back there playing the puck, and that's that's a reason why Montreal, their, their defense and Carey makes that. And Suzuki is just on fire. You know, I was mm-hmm. talking to one member of the organization, uh, the Montreal organization, last week after they kind of ripped through the Canucks here last week at Rogers Arena, and they're basically looking at him as a potential Bergeron 2.0. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he was winning draws. He yeah. he's uh, as as we've discussed. You know, Ryan O'Reilly they train with Joey Hishon, uh, and and he said that at this phase of his uh, career, he is miles ahead of Ryan O'Reilly, and <laughs> that's really really high praise. But last night, yeah, he was just unbelievable in that game and uh, he's so strong on the puck and again it's like there's certain guys that you, you just wonder how hoglander and uh Patterson, how are they so strong on the puck uh, when when elias is on his game and uh, he's finding that um we haven't talked to you since since last saturday where you had that long interview with pierre luc dubois james was talking about it earlier on the show too you know what when athletes just want out sometimes they can the leave from small markets. Um, at the end of the day, what occurred Saturday in the NHL, was that just the best for everybody? Or does it concern you that uh, star players in smaller markets now realize the power they have? Well, you know, even even going back to Black Lives Matter, that was an illustration of the power of, a, of an athlete. Uh, it happened in the NBA and WNBA first, but the NHL players were able to shut things down. Uh, I, I do feel bad, of course, when it's a small market affected. And, you know, consistently, that's been the story over in Ottawa and Columbus um, and it, and to a lesser extent in Winnipeg. Truba and uh, Roslovich and Line all kind of wanted out and could. But uh, my, my theory, Perry, is that the players are capped four ways. Uh, they're drafted twice. Uh, I've always been a little bit wary of collective bargaining as a fair process in pro sport. I, I just think that the billionaire owners have got such an advantage uh, in outlasting the players uh, on matters of principle. So while I while I can see where it could you know be you know the small market uh, suffering, the small markets have also gained exponentially by the salary cap. They they have they have been given pennies from heaven in this cost certainty. So fair is fair to my mind. Ron McLean here on Sportsnet 650. You know, the other big story over the past week has been Jim Rutherford abruptly uh, leaving Pittsburgh. And you look at where that franchise is right now at a total crossroads that you got three cups out of Crosby and Malkin and Latang. 
and you know they're all in their early to mid 30s now. Crosby's 33. Malkin, you've got one more year, and Latang at one more year under contract after this. Sid's got another four years after this season. How like how do you see things playing out for Sid, who you know has lived up to all the hype and anticipation when he broke into the league? He's one of the greatest players ever. I, I sometimes like he just loves hockey, Ron. And I, I wonder what like does does he stay in Pittsburgh his entire career, or could you see him possibly becoming a Brian Trottier type player that you know went on to like went to from being maybe the best two way center in the game to becoming a role player who went on to continue to win Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. Like Crosby loves the game. I just wonder like what the what the future of old Sid not the kid looks like years from now. Well, I think it's a great uh, point. And I think Trotche is a splendid example. I think watching Jason Spezza play with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I saw Jason when we were getting ready for Battle of the Blades two years ago. I was at a rink in Toronto called Ice Gardens. It's actually in Mississauga. And there he was, you know, skating with parachutes and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And he was making his $700,000. Now, this is a number one pick overall. And, uh, yeah, if you love the game, Play, play till you drop. You know, Ray Bork is another guy that went uh, and kind of put himself in a position to win in Colorado. Uh, so I, I would love to see Sid have that opportunity to, to win another cup because, you know, what Tom Brady is doing, clearly, mm-hmm. uh, it's inspiring. So, yeah, I, I think you're you're totally correct in your idea of what could happen for Sid. And, you know, as far as uh, Jim goes, uh, just really respected everything that he did around the game. And it's it's a really challenging time right you know if, if you can see yourself coming out on the other side of the pandemic uh, that's a great thing you know that's one of the coping we just went through hockey talks and bell let's talk uh, and you can just you know feel the conversations between dan murphy and Corey hirsch last night on the canucks telecast and kelly rudy was having the same chat a really exposed vulnerable chat with rick ball on the flames telecast and you know a lot of a lot of you know carter hart's emotional outburst and matt kachuk's emotional outburst and you can just feel uh, all of us, you know, kind of trying to keep a lid on this uncertainty and this impermanence. And I'm sure for Jim, it was just a matter of him saying, you know, I, and I shouldn't even try to guess, but uh, I think it's all part of it. I think this was probably a, a moment for him to just say, you know, what more can I do? Uh, and and this, this it, every you hear it in the commentary of, uh, of a lot of the people covering the games, how strange it is to go to the rinks and the pro scouts are housed in one little corner of the rink and the broadcasters never see the players, et cetera. So people are, people are having a tough time. And, uh, you know, I think in Jim's case, it, it's no problem for him to, to take a, you know, a, a breath and, uh, give himself a chance to, to just sort of reflect on his great accomplishments and enjoy whatever he thinks he needs to enjoy right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I just watch us all, uh, kind of navigating this particular season with, with great interest in that respect. Yeah, we do it, Ron. And as always, I think, uh, and certainly in the last 48 hours, um, with the emphasis on it's easier to do it all together and to talk. We always appreciate your input every Friday morning. Look forward to it. Have a wonderful weekend. We look forward to hockey night, and we'll do it again. Same, Perry, and thanks, James. Talk to you thanks, soon. Thanks, Ron. Take care. Ron McLean, Hockey Night in Canada, uh, weighing in with uh, his thoughts on uh, the Canucks as they get set to. And, and you know, a pair, like, look, it's not to sit there and rain on a parade for a team that's just won three straight for the Canucks, but I think we're still trying to figure out who are the Vancouver Canucks from an identity standpoint. 
And these next two weeks will be the games and the stretch of the schedule that will know what this team is, right? You've got you've got yeah. the Jets who have historically owned Vancouver in recent years. Like the numbers have been so one-sided for the Jets. Montreal, we kind of saw how it played out uh, at Rogers Arena, and then the Leafs, which should be kind of a fun up and down type game. And let's see how it all plays out. But you kind of check the boxes and what you needed for this team to get going, right? You got Demko and Holtby that are kind of giving you some goaltending that helped this team to beat the Sens, but you also got your big guns going as well. So you've got this team kind of propped up. Let's see how it carries over in these next six games before you've got that huge four-game straight series against the Calgary Flames. I, you know, we we give people some selections uh, at the end of the show. I say, oh, if you want ten dollars, do this. You and I were both pretty much every night. I take the Canucks. No, I take the Canucks. The Canucks are winning. I, I I wouldn't touch the Canucks tomorrow. I just don't know. But they've reset. They're they're back to a five hundred hockey team. They have corrected all the mistakes. They did it against the competition that was in front of them. They've got confidence back. So now let's see what they can do against Winnipeg. But I'm unsure how this road trip plays out. I think the the most important part is. Everybody jumping on the plane to go to Winnipeg has confidence in their game again, and that's the best thing. Let's bring in Sonia Azam from down the hall at News 1130 this morning. And Azam, uh, you, you were kind of the OG on this earlier in the week that, hey, everybody settle down. It's only Ottawa. Yeah, and I was right. You still feel that way, eh? No, I think, I, I think, I think Perry, uh, for the first time, actually has a decent point. Uh, which is which, drive by? You coming at me? Are you coming at yeah, me? Yeah, I come at you every day, but you never have a decent comeback. So let me just start the morning off like this. Um, no, I think I think he's right in terms of they have the confidence to keep going. And again, like Siebel, I said to you off the air a couple of days ago, the real test is going to be Montreal. You know, Toronto. Like, let's see how we play against these teams. Beating Ottawa three games in a row is great. I think it's the stepping stone we needed to sort of gain some confidence. But it's not like run the way to the playoffs because of that I could have did you really sense. say that did you really say that if you didn't say it on the air though like you can't really verify that okay so. I just said it there you go okay fine there you go yeah, you it's already it. happened yeah, yeah there you go yeah yeah no I think I think I think we have to see how the next week goes for sure so are we going skiing to Whistler this weekend yeah for sure you guys want to head out <laughs> wow uh yeah no this is this is a major concern right now on the COVID front uh so Whistler just sort of the house sound in general they've uh, eclipsed the 2020 record for COVID cases in just three weeks so what? far this year. Yeah, it's bad. There's almost 300 cases in, since January 1st to January 26th. Um, and it's a concern because just in case anyone forgot, you're not supposed to be traveling. You're not supposed to be leaving your you know, community if you absolutely don't have to. And that includes taking weekend trips or day trips up to the ski hills. So we've seen a lot of outbreaks. We saw the one at Big White, and now Whistler's seeing a lot of cases in that uh, surrounding area. Um, so the cases is one aspect, and we've heard from the local MLA there this morning saying, you know, I get that people are bored and people are venturing out into the backcountry, and that's great, but apparently the backcountry in Sea to Sky region has been trashed. Like, people are going up there to go for a hike and explore, but then they just leave garbage, human feces. We're getting reports of a bunch of stuff. And it's like, there's no one there to clean it up. You have to clean up after yourself. Like, we, we live in a beautiful region. Please take care of it. You know, Pear, and, and yeah. you know, to kind of chime in on this, and, and Pear, I don't know how you find it, but the one thing that it's starting to kind of creep up in our neck of the woods and along the dike, you know, along the beach, people, and, and it's funny, especially over the last eight or nine months, that all of a sudden, and I'm a dog owner, 
I love dogs, but people that are now just leaving their bags of dog crap and just dropping them off on the side of the path, like you're seeing way more garbage now. And I think because more people are using these ways to try to get outside, but doesn't mean you can just throw your crap all over the ground. I think it's you're, I think it's a valid story that Mike Lloyd's got up and running this morning here, Sonia. And mm-hmm. I, like I'm seeing it too. There's way more crap on the ground and in the parks. You know what I've seen a lot, guys, is is masks. Yes. The blue mask. Yes. Right? Like by bus stops and stuff. If I'm going for a little bit of a walk or a hike, you know, down by this, like, I'm just thinking, really? Like, I know maybe it's, you, you know, put it on, put it in your pocket, throw it in the garbage at your house. But those masks are everywhere. Yeah, we've seen masks and gloves. Yeah, it is. And we've had that issue for a while. Like the mayor of Coquitlam months ago was like, if you guys don't start cleaning up, we'll just start ticketing you. Because it's not safe and it's not hygienic. And you, yeah, you're right. You can't just wait and throw it out in a trash anywhere, at home, wherever. But yeah, no, gloves and masks on the ground I've seen for such a long time. It's so gross. Like, come on, be better. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh. You don't see it very often. But can you, anytime I'm driving, if someone throws something out the window, it's just like, okay, hang on. Let's just take a picture of the light. So if you're hiking and you see some guy in front of you throw like, a wrapper of some snack on the ground. Do you say something? Excuse uh, me, sir. I would. Yeah, I would. Really? You know, yeah, I would. You know, if you're hiking somewhere, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you just hang on to it? I'd probably pick it up behind him. I'm frustrated by the high school where we hike a lot, like why they don't take the kids out. I used to as a young kid. Yeah, we're all going out of class. Grab a garbage bag. We're going to clean up a little bit. And there's a lot of people in my neighborhood that will go into the areas and, and clean a little uh oh. That's you just know, despicable. You know, Pear, it's funny. We, we A couple of weeks ago, we were we were walking along uh, the beach at Boundary Bay, and there was a woman who had uh, – it was crazy because, you, you know, if you look for it, you'll find it. But when you don't notice it, you, you think nothing of it. Mm. But a woman had like a, a half a garbage bag filled with crap that she had just been picking up on a walk one morning along the beach. And we're like, what, you got all that this morning? She's like, yeah, you know, you look for it, you find it. So we kind of made a point the last couple of weeks, like, you know, every other day we'll just kind of – bring a little Ziploc bag or whatever and just pick up the plastic and stuff along the beach. And it's, yeah, no, I mean, some of the stuff just washes up from the shore from wherever, but yeah, no, be better. It's a good reminder for I, all of I us. I think the message is simple. Like we do, we live in a, such a stunning and beautiful area. It's not hard to, I don't know, not throw garbage on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so please yeah. just clean up after yourself. Yeah. yeah. Basically, hey, Aslam, I thought this hit today was trash. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> yeah, it's still not the strongest material, Perry. Come don't, on. Don't play in with fire, sister. <laughs> sister? You come at the cage, you best not miss. <laughs> How random. Have a wonderful Friday. Oh. Thanks, boys. Salty Sonia. Stay safe out there. Don't throw your mask on the ground. I'll try not to. Thanks. Take care. See you, buddy. <laughs> Bye, guys. Uh, Sonia Aslam, News 1130, weighing in uh, on the Canucks. And uh, don't be an idiot. Don't litter. Uh, it's common sense. 27 minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Friday morning. Your Canucks commute coming your way at 8. We'll dive into what went down last night. We'll also play Canucks in a song. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. What track comes to mind after that performance last night by the hometown team? We'll get into all of it next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song.
Brett Delta's submission this morning on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 is 500 miles from the Proclaimers, who did a version of the White Caps song. Um, Canucks set to hit the road. I think they'll be going a little further than 500 miles, though, pair, when they open up tomorrow night, uh, kicking off that six-game road trip in Winnipeg against the Jets after sweeping the Ottawa Senators with another th- sound victory last night. I have to wonder, and I know it's a cliche, but we heard from Braden Holpe there in the uh, sports update from Chris Wall and saying, you know, you got to remember in this kind of season, you know, don't get too high on the wins, don't get too low with the losses. Don't you think this team was pretty low? I mean, without saying it, I mean, they said it. This team was really low before Ottawa got in here. You know, Petey mentioned as much. Like, I haven't been good. JT Miller, I haven't been good. I think they were pretty low. That was the fear factor. Um, if they weren't, they certainly played like they were, but they leave, they jump on that plane to go more than 500 miles with a, uh, with the with attitude that I'm going is, eh, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know what they are again. Let's, let's start all over again. And I was unsure when the season started. Is it the bubble team? Is it different? But they'll be certainly a lot more comfortable because you get some minutes in for a guy like Chatfield. You get some minutes in for Holpe and, and Schmidt. So now I think they'll feel a little more comfortable than they did when they were in Edmonton and Calgary to start the year. You know, I think you certainly see the positive vibes from the fan base over the last couple of days. But I think for the most part, there's been a little bit of a cautious and I think rightly so that sort of wait and see attitude. Okay, show me what you got when it matters against Winnipeg, Montreal and Toronto, because these next 10 games and they're going to come like a freight train here starting tomorrow. And then it's back to back Monday and Tuesday in Montreal. And then you got three straight against the Leafs later in the week. But, um, you know, the one trend that I still find concerning here, despite the three victories over the Senators, and they won, what, 16-3 outscoring the Sens in those three games, is they are still bleeding shots, giving up another 36 shots last night. Here's Travis Green on this trend that has pretty much started since puck drop on opening night. You know, we gave up a fair amount of shots. We'd like to cut them down. Uh you know, we also played a team that they throw a lot of pucks in the net and they, they go to the net hard. Uh, we gave up some shots on the power play over the last few games, I think 17. Um, but it's something that, you know, am I concerned about it? No, not overly, but something that we have a, have an eye on for sure. There's a, a little different Green, tomorrow, yeah. James, right? And when it's Kyle Connor and, and Shifley, uh, yeah, you can't make those. I don't. You can't give that many shots up. Other than the Ottawa Senators in game number two, what team is not scoring mole goals and going into the dressing with the lead in game number two of this series after what 23, 24 shots in the first period? Yeah, no. I mean, it's. I mean, look, you're, you 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 don't want to give up a lengthy five on three like you did last night, which may have been the ugliest five on three man advantage I think I've ever seen. Watching the Senators try to navigate that, treating the puck like a grenade, but. You know, you're going to do that against firepower like Shifley and Connor and Ehlers uh, and Wheeler. That's a recipe for disaster. You know, we're, you know, look at the Leafs man advantage, you know, when they get going here coming up in a couple of games from now. Now, you cannot continue to play. But I would say this. The encouraging thing, Pear, is this week we also see the emergence of beyond above average goaltending, you know, Demko took two major steps forward this week from Monday and Wednesday start. And last night, probably the best start we've seen this year as Braden Holtby as a Vancouver Canuck. And that's, and that's encouraging. I wasn't one to be really concerned about the drop-off in goal. And I, I think we avoided it in the first couple of weeks because uh, 
the chances that these guys faced, the multiple two-on-ones, the multiple breakaways. You know, we never recounted and, and dissected the Montreal Canadiens game uh, and said, by the way, make a save. It was like, how many chances are you giving away? The extra man, odd man rushes were crazy. But they were both better. And I think we both had thought, if you've got a good Holpe and you've got Demko coming back, um, you'll be okay. But they were much better. I thought they defended better on the power play. I think the one thing we have to deal with, too, and you mentioned Walsey say, and yes, it's skewed because of the amount of games the Canucks have played. But you've kind of wondered aloud, you know, where's Brock Besser? Will he ever be that guy who was mm-hmm. the rookie who, you know, three years ago yesterday was taking a picture at center ice at the All-Star game and was the MVP of that All-Star game? Is he coming back? Well, he's tied for the lead in goal scored. And James, he's done it with his line mates really struggling. Like they weren't there for him in the first seven games. They have been this past week. But Brock Besser and the way he's shooting the puck, I think he's letting everybody know. Like that never went away, guys. I just wasn't healthy. He is playing with a load of confidence, and that's a big difference maker because there's been times where he disappeared. I think he's found the consistency that makes you a professional and a good professional every night. COVID Brock's been great. I love it. I love what I've seen from COVID Brock. And here's hoping it kind of stays consistent. But, you know, it's it, and it's the different ways he's scoring, right? Love the tap in from the side of the net, stepping out in front. You see the hands. Uh, and then you see the shot that's kind of back as well with that second snipe of the game for, for Besser. So six goals from the lotto line in the last two games. Two from Besser. Two from Pedersen and two from JT Miller. They're finally going, and they need them if they're going to have any success on this road trip starting tomorrow against the Jets. All right, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Lots of submissions coming in for your Canucks and a song. So what do you say, pair? We hit the music. Bobby going with a little Beautiful Mess by Diamond Rio. What a beautiful mess. What a beautiful mess I'm in. Spending all my time with you. Kind of was a beautiful mess, kind of what we were talking about, right? You demolished the Senators, but yet you were still hemorrhaging shots game after game after game. Bobby, nice call. A little beautiful mess. No, I love the challenge as we play Canucks in a song to find something that fits what we have witnessed. Just don't go all the time to the favorites. And nice work by Bobby. Yeah, it's exactly what it was. It was great. The opposition, well, you can't do much about it. But they were fantastic the way they played the Ottawa Senators this week. I feel like you called out our uh, our friends and buds here that, that that listen to this show regularly and challenge them to say, hey, just you know, lay off the journey, don't stop believing. Come on, come up with something creative. And you know what? People have responded in a big way. They like nailed it. Yeah. Jay Jay and Lady Smith with an '80s classic, Matthew Wilder's "Break My Stride." Well, we'll find out if the Jets can break that stride tomorrow night in Winnipeg. East Van Tommy, I'm winning by Santana. Three straight wins now for the Canucks and Parrot, uh, an old starting lineup classic here. Nothing wrong with that, right? You can come up with the classic. It's been a long time since we've had that as as Nate Schmidt said, Frank the Tank, want to go streaking. Three is now a streak. It just means that much more if the next one can have the importance of the Winnipeg Jets where the competition gets tougher. But, yeah, that's a classic. Nice work. And, and Matthew Weidler, is that the only song he ever had? 
Uh, yeah, that Breaker that- Rush Drive got a lot of play, but I, I, I don't put his name with any of their songs. I, I'm not a music aficionado, but yeah. I think it was one and done for him, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe he uh, falls under the category of the one-hit wonder, if I can recall correctly. Uh, how about this submission here? It's a three dressed up as a nine from Trooper. It's just a three dressed up as a nine. You're only wasting yeah. my time. Those three wins over the Senators. Yeah, they're good to have, but maybe lipstick on a pig to some degree. But you take that win, and uh, they've got some confidence and some mojo here. And uh, there's the second Trooper reference already uh, this hour. Uh, TJ going with a little cool in the gang. Get down on it. Get down on it. Get down on it. I think a lot of Canucks fans were getting down on it with that win over the uh, Senators last night to see the fact that the lotto line's coming along and how about this one from Jacob Port Moody here, Pear? Um, it's the clean version, but it's a little CeeLo and forget you, Ottawa Senators. Pear, I feel like this was a Perry Solkowski staple when this was a hit song. Yeah, no, I was, listen, I was just snapping my fingers. I'll give you that. I like the beat. It's good Friday morning. Jake, nice call here in my neck of the woods in Port Moody. That was good. I don't know if you want to forget the Ottawa Senators. The tough part is when you're struggling, you're going to be looking at the count. When are the Sens back? When do we see the Senators again? Let's hope that's not the case because it looks daunting when you see what's in front of them. But, yeah, thank you, Senators, for showing up. Uh, They'll forget you, but they got the six points they needed. Uh, keep the good times rolling on uh, the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Buda Street in Vancouver or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. We'll play Canucks in the Song coming up in the 8 o'clock hour as well. Your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock. But in a moment, there's no BS coming this way here, Pear. Uh, just PS, superstar athlete taking advantage of the world we live in and saying, COVID, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me. We'll tell you who that is on a Thursday morning after another Canucks win, 743. Barry James in the starting lineup. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Barry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want it. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. Well, I don't know if it's not P.S. or B.S., uh, an intro like that. And I was just been told on the commercial break it's actually Friday after telling you it was Thursday, everybody. So it was a little B.S., but let's clarify it all. Yesterday, a retirement in the NHL, and it received about as much fanfare as a career that, in my mind, I don't know if it got the respect it deserved. Arvidsson's got it again, dropped it off to Forsberg. Forsberg right in the goal! Samuel, rebound! Oh, my God. Jimmy Howard has been spectacular. Jimmy Howard, NHL All-Star three times, runner-up to the Calder Trophy, lost it that year to Tyler Myers, by the way, ranks fourth in his draft class as far as goalies. Marc-Andre Fleury with more wins, Halak with more wins, Corey Crawford with more. Seaball, did he get the respect in a career that was great, or was it the team in front of him? You know, I, I think it was probably the team in front of him more than anything. You know, Big Bert will probably tell you differently, um, but I think Jimmy Howard benefited from being in a really good situation. 
Matt Murray-itis, right? Well, no, I would say, well. He was better than Matt Murray, but you're right. The team in front, like Osgood, Howard, I never looked at those wings goalies during those great teams as difference makers. I mean, Murray got two rings, and he did run Marc Andre Fleury out of town. So it's true. That's that's a tough one, but I, you know what? Better regular season goalie, Jimmy Howard. Playoffs, I'll take Matt Murray. How about that? P.S. Uh, there's been some craziness, man, in the stock market over the last few days. Every trader making the big impact on the hedge funds. I'm I'm talking hedge funds and shorting stocks with my wife last night. I don't know that stuff, but Mark Cuban does. He's a billionaire. And what has he been teaching his 11-year-old who lost money over the last few days? Well, first of all, he was mad. (laughs) He was like, I can't buy more? Because I had also taught him if you really like a company and it goes down, that's your opportunity to buy more, But you know, if you really like it. I guess it would be surprised when we see sons playing pro sports because their dad was an athlete. You would be surprised that Mark Cuban's kid is trading in the stock market right now because that's what his dad does. You know, you teach your kid what you know, right? And, you know, you think of the benefits that some children will inherit, that if you have a great athlete as a parent, they can kind of help teach you along the way. And you see those second-generation athletes. If, you know, if your parents were great financial advisors, they can share that advice. Pair, all we got, we can teach our kids to how to talk. You know, it's it's funny you say that. Things, by the way, Mark's Cuban's kid's 11. He gave him $100 to figure it out. Uh Hannah, when she was young, did her first speech in front of the class. And the teacher said that was pretty good. And she said, well, I know it's in my blood. Now, she's oh. since realized that I've offered her absolutely nothing. But you believe what you see, right? That is not BS. P.S. There comes a time when some athletes, or maybe for some, it's not about the money. Well, maybe not according to Ben Roethlisberger. He says he doesn't care about the $22 million he is owed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's defer that. Let's restructure everything. I want to come back. I'll play for less. Do you want Ben back as your quarterback in Pittsburgh, James? Uh, you, I think you want to be in a position to where you have somebody that will push Big Ben. But, uh, you know, the Saints have got to turn the page on Drew Brees. Big Ben, I feel like uh, the clock's about to strike midnight. But if he still wants to play, you know what? Like, the guys won, and there were stretches where Big Ben was all right. He was just terrible down the stretch, right? Like, he was a Jekyll and Hyde year because the start of the season, man, he was fine to Chase Claypool, right? You know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't Mitch yeah. Trubisky who was throwing over to Chase Claypool all those touchdowns to start the season that we were raving about. That was Big Ben. He just happened to fall off a cliff. I just think you you want to make sure you have a quality. Do you create competition in camp? I think you want to be in that position for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, man, the first 10 weeks, of course, the Steelers unbeaten. They were great. But the last month, he just looked like a big guy. Can't move. Big rig back there. I would be looking to turn the page. But if he wants to restructure, do it. He's made over $200 million, by the way, in his career. And finally, P.S. in the news for the wrong reason today. Looking for Ronaldo's run. That's so far. Oh, what about that? What about that from Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, what about this from Ronaldo, who already had COVID? They are looking at film, well, video, to see if he broke the COVID rules by traveling to meet his girlfriend in a different Italian region, which is a no-no. They've deleted footage posted on social media that showed Ronaldo and his girlfriend, who was having a birthday celebration turning 27. They were out snowmobiling, and they said, man, how did he get there? You're not supposed to travel. Quickly, everybody, 
Get Ronaldo's back. Delete, delete, delete. <laughs> Should know better. Not surprised if he didn't. Uh, oh, Ronaldo. You know what's funny? When I was, when I was uh, years back, when I lived back in Toronto, we lived in an area that was kind of a hybrid of little Portugal and little Italy. And, man, on days that Portugal would be playing in an international, whether it was a friendly or in a Euro or World Cup, the entire neighborhood would just shut down and you would just see a sea of families all in the maroon jerseys. But remember when Ronaldo had the rat tail pair? Remember that rat yes. tail he would roll with? Man, uh, every yes. little, yes, every little kid, every Portuguese yes. kid in the neighborhood had the Ronaldo <laughs> rat tail at the time. Yes, uh, man. I, I lived it, grew up with the Portuguese. They are soccer fanatics. Love them for that. But Ronaldo... Be better, my friend. Be better. No BS, just PS, everybody. All right, 7.54, your Canucks commute just around the corner as the Canucks uh, make it a clean sweep of the Ottawa Senators. They've won three in a row. They're back to 500. Do you trust them? How do you feel about this six-game road trip coming up? We'll get into all of it with the voice of the Canucks here on Sportsnet 650, Brendan Batchelor, all still ahead here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. It was a great win. It's not easy to beat a team uh, after you've beaten them twice. Uh, their team was extremely hungry tonight. You know, like I said, it was a good team win tonight. Get us back to 500. The Canuck Commute with James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski. 8 o'clock here on this Friday morning. What's happening on this uh, January the 29th? Yeah, come Monday. We're, uh, we're into February already. Some people have kind of felt like this has been a long month. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of ripped by for the most part, especially since the start of this season that we've already got 10 games under our belts here through the Canucks campaign pair. And, you know, uh, it started January 13th. Here we are, January 29th. It's, it's games almost every other night. And uh, I love the pace of this season thus far. Yeah, it'll be curious to see if you get a little exhausted or you're mentally exhausted as a kind I mean, think of where the Canucks fans have been emotionally here, that they are invested with this team, with the, with the desperation that this week went into. And then they look at what's ahead for this road trip and you go, well, where is this? Where Where is it easy? When is when is San Jose coming to town? Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the feel for it. I mean, I've never looked at standings as early as I have. And, you know, I've been constantly looking at it this week to see. But, yeah, it's gone by quick. Hey, what we do for a living to have hockey back, it's been amazing. And there's pretty much no nights off, essentially. And uh, it, it's been fun to go. And, and the conversation has been great. Keep it going on the Dumber Lumber text line. So many people into this team this year and what we're going to get. It's It's been a quick month. Uh, the Canucks, after the win last night, now jump into uh, fourth. Uh, tied uh, right now with the Winnipeg Jets, each with 10 points on the campaign. Uh, and they've got a bit of a gap now between the Oilers and the Flames. So Vancouver now with fi- a 5-5 five and five mark on the season with 10 points. Um, now they've got three games in hand, or both Montreal and the Jets have three games in hand. Uh, the yeah. Oilers have a game in hand. The Flames have four games in hand. So... You know, the Canucks have played a lot of games to start the season, whereas some of these teams have had a break. But, hey, look, the one encouraging thing is this schedule was favorable for Vancouver this week with Ottawa in town, and the Canucks took care of business, right? I mean, you ultimately have to win those games. Uh, They certainly did just that. And I think most importantly here, Pear, when you look at where this franchise was a week ago, the doom and gloom kind of looking at where's Petey? 
What's going on with Quinn Hughes? You're not getting any scoring from your big guns, and your goaltending's been just average at best, and you're just hemorrhaging goals, giving up essentially five goals a game. They tightened it up this week defensively. They got good goaltending, and they got the lotto line up and running. I mean, check, check, check. In terms for this team to be successful, you kind of need to check those three boxes, and they certainly did against the Senators. And here's where you can take the positive because they've played more games than everybody else, and you know the standings are skewed. But make no mistake, in every Canadian city, every game is dissected. So right now in Calgary, they're going, boy, we didn't look good against Montreal. That, that, that's not great. We lost two to Toronto. Oh, okay, well, what do we need? You know, and they've been playing from pretty decent hockey. In Edmonton, they're going, no one's making a save. How is that going to change? At least the narrative here in Vancouver, while they were struggling, we had the reasons why. And James, to your point, those reasons were corrected. Yeah, they're still leaking a lot of shots. But now you go, okay, so now we're playing all right and we didn't lose so much ground where some of the other cities are trying to figure things out. That's why I look and say Montreal, Toronto's probably going to remain up in the top of the standings and never really worry about missing the postseason. Winnipeg gets excited to go, this is going to be awesome when Pierre-Luc puts on the uniform. And Everton and Calgary will be struggling to find those answers, I think, where the Canucks hopefully, and we'll find that in the next two weeks, go, no, we can play with everybody, guys. We're back. So we'll see how it plays out. Now, I want to share a text here on the Dunbar Lumber text line here at 650-650, and it comes from Alex in New West. And, Pear, we saw two more goals from Brock Besser last night. He's now tied for the NHL lead in goals scored early in this campaign. He's played 10 games, but still encouraging to see. But here's what Alex had to say. People do not understand how serious and an injury it was when Brock hurt his back a few years ago i had the same injury keeping in mind i was 49 and did not or could not afford the treatment that brock could but saying that i never fully recovered i have no strength in my left side arm or leg i can no longer skate or even try to shoot a puck i'm now eight years since my injury and this morning i'm going to see a specialist to see about getting nerves burnt the pain is unbearable at times so brock is doing really well and we're coming up on almost what three years now since Besser suffered that injury and, you know, watched him kind of in that malaise the last couple of years. And, you know, I appreciate the text there, Alex. And that's where, you know, maybe people who've endured sort of the back injuries to understand what he's overcome. Look, the shot looks like it's there. The confidence is there. And I think what Travis Green pointed out a couple of weeks ago, Pear, he seems to be lighter on his feet as well. And that seems to be making a difference in his game. Alex, we appreciate joining the conversation. James, when Brock mentioned his back prior to the season, it was kind of an innocuous statement that was just part of a long answer that I was almost surprised he went there. It it wasn't, he wasn't looking for anything. You know, it's just, hey, Brock, how are you feeling? And yeah, I'm feeling good. And it's, he was kind of taking us down the road that maybe Alex said, by the way, I, I had that same injury. You don't know how much it affects you. And most people in the NHL play with something that bothers them, but I don't think we can underestimate how much Brock Besser was dealing with being uncomfortable. And if indeed that was the case, good on him for not saying a whole bunch. We talked about what he was dealing with off the ice and his father and and what he dealt with with tragedy with his friends at an early age. But, you know, we just kind of said, yeah, the wrist injury, the back injury, but there was Brock in the lineup again. Man, he looks like that guy from three years ago, that guy who sees spots on the ice. You know, he's scoring with confidence yesterday, coming 
coming from behind the net going, no, no one's going to pound me. And if they do, I'm okay. And I'll finish it. And then coming off the wing. Uh, I never thought he went away, but man, he might be back to that guy. who's going to pot you 30 in a regular season on a regular basis. Easily. It certainly seems like he's on track right now. Let's see how sustainable it is after uh, a very promising start through the first 10 games. And, you know, I want to see, I want to see more. Um, but I'm certainly encouraged with what I'm seeing, especially the different variety of goals that he's been finishing on so far this season. Uh, a big storyline as well. Look, the Canucks took care of business. There's definitely, I think we both kind of see it as, hey, look, it's a yeah, but because of the opposition. But another storyline that a lot of people are talking about here this morning on our Dunbar Lumber text line is involving Jake Vertanen. A healthy scratch last night as well. Here's what Travis Green had to say on Jake being scratched from the lineup. I think you're going to see this periodically from guys. Uh, Gods came out of the lineup. You know, you don't have practice time. Uh, I think Jake hasn't quite found his game yet this year. You know, needs a little reset. Needs to get on the ice and feel the puck and practice a bit. Put some work in. Sometimes just getting getting away from a game uh, helps a player. And I'm hoping it does because I, I, I think he's better than what he's shown so far this year. You know, not not that I think it. I know it. He's a good player. We need him to be at his best. I know he wants to play his best, and I, I just don't think he has yet. Uh, felt like it was time to bring him out of the lineup and, and reset him when he goes back in. Hopefully he plays better for himself and for us as a team as well because um, we need him to. So there's Travis Green. And, you know, you look at the struggles that Petey was going through uh, up until a couple of nights ago, pair you would never, ever think about scratching Petey from the lineup, no matter how low he got, in terms of what his value is to this team. You you just simply ride it out for a player that's scuffling of his ability and skill. Jake doesn't have that, right? And there's a seventh overall pick that they've tried to kind of light a fire under this guy how many times and I'll go back to something I said at 6 o'clock this morning. The old expression, beware the silent man. He's either dead or deadly. And in Jake's case, it sure feels like he's dead. When you have a GM that called you out at the end of last season and you respond with this sort of malaise to a start of the season, I get it's a different year, but everybody's in it together. But Jake Vertanen to the first 10 games of this season feels like he's sleepwalking out there, Perry. I wondered when we got into this year if we might, for the first time in the NHL, see load management because of the condensed schedule. Now, as I see it play out, I think that could be a load of crap. And I'm talking about the Bessers and the Pettersons and the Millers. I mean, those guys are going to play because everything is so important. But I do believe, James, we are going to see a rotation of several players who aren't in it. And that was Godet Wasn't playing well. Now it's for Tannen. Someone texting in here and keep the conversation going, you know what, Jake could be more useful than Russell. I think Roussel will sometimes be in that rotation of forwards. Man, maybe Hoglander won't, which be a credit to the kid. But I do think we will see that. It was time for Jake Vertanen to watch. And they played well. And I like the thought of Gaudet on the wing. And the fact is, Jake Vertanen played a lot of hockey because there was no other options. There's more options now with Hoglander. There's more options with the consistent Zach McEwen. There's even options, and we'll see Louis Erickson at some point. And it's all on Jake. It's as simple as that. Seven years, plenty of opportunities. All right, here's the reset button because that's where you belong in our group of players who the odd time will watch from above and maybe reset the button and get you going that you need to do more to play in our lineup because we're a better hockey team now than we were when you were here and it all started. 
Jason and Kamloops, can we please leave Jake alone? It's like beating a dead horse. It is what it is. There's the channeling his inner Todd Bertuzzi. Uh, we'll get to Brandon Batchelor uh, in a moment here as this hour is a presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Continuing here on this Canucks commute, we bring in the voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on Sportsnet 650, Mr. Brendan Batchelor. Boy, it's a lot easier to call those games than what you did with the Montreal games, I would think. Right, Batch? Well, the thing about the Canucks is win or lose, they've been a high-event team this year, and high-event games are always fun to call because there's scoring chances and there's goals, and maybe it's not the Canucks that were scoring them last week. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to see Vancouver break out offensively and call 16 Canuck goals this week. So uh, so now they've righted the ship, uh, at least temporarily, and we'll see what they have in store for us on this lengthy road trip coming up. Yeah, you, you tell me. I, I said earlier, Batch, in this show, great, they did exactly what they were supposed to, all they could do this week. But when I look tomorrow night, I go, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Are you convinced that this team now is, is back and can handle a better hockey team than what they'll see in these road trips? I'm not sure. Uh, we'll find out, right? And, and that's what tomorrow night and this road trip is going to mean for the Canucks. It's, it's proving time now because, you know, they've kind of got themselves back to square one. They're 5-5 five five through 10 games, so they're back at 500. Uh, their goal differential is back to even, amazingly, after I think it was at minus 14 or 15 uh, after facing the Canadians last week. So it's almost like you've come through a 10-game preseason and you're back to 500 and you're back to a zero goal differential and it's like starting fresh. Um, so, you know, they can gain positives from the way they played against Ottawa this week and, you know, gain confidence from the fact that they were able to score a lot of goals and tighten up some things defensively, although I did think there were still a few mistakes that were a little bit glaring at times in the game last night. But, you know, now you're going on a hard road trip. This is a Winnipeg team that has had the Canucks number and has been playing well to start the season, even if it doesn't look like they're going to get Pierre-Luc Dubois out of quarantine early like they were hoping. And then you've got to go into Montreal and play them on a back-to-back after what they did to you last week. And then you've got to play the Leafs three times, who are arguably one of the best teams in the division, if not the best. So, um, you know, credit the Canucks for doing what they did this week. But to me, they still need to prove themselves, and that starts tomorrow night against the Jets. And, and these next 10 games, right, Batch? I mean, this is where kind of, I think these next two weeks will get a sense of what this team really is. You know, trying to understand the identity of this hockey club thus far is, I mean, it's been very Jekyll and Hyde. Um, but I think knowing the competition, the level of competition that you're you're up against the big three of the North coming up these next six games before you've got that four-game series with Calgary. And, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at the first, you know, fifth of the season here, that Calgary-Vancouver matchup in those four games just might wind up being the battle for that fourth playoff spot. But to find out what this team's all about with the Leafs and the Habs and the Jets, I mean, here's your measuring stick here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, a 500 road trip would be successful. Yeah. Because, you know, it, I kind of get the feeling, and it, it's very early, but I almost wonder if, especially the Leafs and the Habs are going to pull out in front of everyone else in this division. And it's mm-hmm. just going to be a dogfight between Winnipeg and Edmonton 
and Vancouver and Calgary to to try and cling on to those final two playoff spots. Um, and, and because of that, we may see some interesting things. I know we always try to project how many games above 500 a team is going to need to be to make the playoffs. Well, if, if Montreal and Toronto beat everyone else, then you know it, those numbers may be very different than what we would normally see uh, if you sort of get some separation in this division. So uh, that's why I say a 500 road trip would be successful because five of these six games are against the teams that look like they're going to be first and second in this division and could be first and second in the division by quite a distance. Uh, so you got to scrape by points wherever you can. If you can get games to overtime and get a single point, that would be crucial. And try and come back with half as many points as you could potentially earn on a trip like this and keep yourself at 500 and then see what you can do when you face the Flames coming back home. Yeah, anybody who goes, you know, they're going to have to be a 700 and they're going to use this many points to win the playoffs. That's all crap. We've never been in a situation like this. You're right, Batch. I can see Montreal-Toronto getting a little bit of a gap that they're not going to be concerned that they're missing the playoffs, and then everybody else is in a battle when you play a three-game set. Did you win two? Did you get that that bonus point in overtime? Because it's not going to be a big spread, and we've got nothing to base it on. Now, that being said, let's celebrate three big wins, but did you still, and are there still issues with some of the decision-making that the Canucks are doing with the puck? Oh, a little bit. They've cleaned up some of it, but... You know, this is a team that that wasn't one of the top defensive teams in the league last year, and they're still not. And you can see it by the way they manage the pocket times. But, uh, you know, obviously they've been a lot better the last three games. And last night especially, I thought, was their best 60-minute performance, arguably, of the season. Um, You know, they've been better than what they were in terms of gifting Montreal those chances. Now, you know, they still give up a breakaway to Connor Brown at a key point in the game last night where he could have pulled uh, the sense to within a goal that Braden Holtby has to make a, a big breakaway save. So, um, you know, it's not like they're out of the woods. And you know what? This may not be a team that ever fully gets out of the woods, right? They might just be a, a club that is, uh, you know, prone to an occasional bad turnover that gives the other team an odd man rush. The the thing for the Canucks is that they need to make sure that it's occasional and it doesn't become a habit like it was early in the year. Uh, and and then, you know, transitioning the puck is going to be huge for them. And I think they've made great strides in that regard where, you know, coming out of last week against Montreal, it felt like they couldn't string together a clean pass to get out of their zone and through the neutral zone into the attacking end with speed. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's because it was the Ottawa Senators and they had more time and space or maybe it's because they had a couple of practices and got to clean things up. But uh, I was a mu- much more positive about, you know, the way things unfolded in that regard for the Canucks. But again, that's where we say, you know, you look forward to this road trip in Winnipeg tomorrow night, and we're going to find out how much of what we saw this week was the Canucks being better or the Senators being bad. And if Vancouver starts this road trip off on the wrong foot, and not necessarily, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean by losing the game tomorrow. But if they come out and are outclassed like they were uh, against the Canadians, or they lose big, or you know they get back to some of the bad habits that were inflicting them before the Senators came to town, then maybe you have a reason to be concerned because, one, it's a long trip and you want to start things off feeling positive about your game. And if that doesn't happen, then things can snowball, especially when you get out east and play those two tough teams. Um, But conversely, 
if you have a good game, maybe you win, maybe you don't, but you still feel good about the way you played and you at least give yourself a chance to win the game tomorrow night, then that could set the table for, you know, feeling really confident about your game and going into Montreal wanting to get a, a measure of revenge against the Canadians. Yeah, and ben, Brennan Bachelor here on Sportsnet 650. The other thing is, you know, you alluded to Holpe making that save on Connor Brown. Like, it was striking distance for the Senators to get back into that in that third period with maybe until maybe the ugliest five-on-three power play I've seen maybe ever. But, you know, Holpe finally shows what he can do in a Canucks uniform. And I know everybody kind of wants Demko to start running with it now, and he's the future. But if you got if you've got your former Vesna winner up and running too, I'd be curious to see how they're going to try to roll out these starts over the next little while, as opposed to maybe going top heavy with Demko. If if it's just a so-so start last night from Holtby, I get it. But you know, if he's all of a sudden showing some signs of life, you got the back-to-back Monday and Tuesday, so you know that both guys are going to get a start there. But I'd be curious to see how they're going to try to approach this over the next couple of weeks here. If if now. You're starting to see Demko find his form, but if you got Holpe finding his form too, I don't think I'm ready to quite commit to just one guy just yet, Batch. Yeah, and you know it's going to be a long season, so we've talked about it. You know, coming into the year, that teams who can go to both guys and not have to ride one and and exhaust him by playing him all the time are going to be more successful. So it is important that they get both guys up and going. Uh, certainly, you look at the start of the road trip and uh, with three games in four nights in Winnipeg and then back-to-back Montreal Monday, Tuesday. I expect we'll see Demko probably tomorrow and Tuesday and then Holtby would get the Monday game in Montreal. But after that, uh, and I haven't looked at the schedule too far forward, but I think it's something like 11 straight games they play where they don't have back-to-back so they don't have situations where they would be forced to go to one goaltender or another uh, so that means that Travis Green and Ian Clark have decisions to make on which guy to send into the net. And, you know, that's where we're going to learn a lot about their philosophy of whether they want to try and run with one guy. And if so, uh, is that guy Thatcher Demko or is that guy Braden Holtby? It seems right now, based on uh, the fact that he put up a 975 save percentage in two games against the Senators, that uh, you would look to Demko to be the guy that they, they want to give the ball to if they're going to. But at the same time, just because you can start Demko all of those games because you don't have back-to-backs doesn't mean you should. It doesn't mean that that you want to lose Braden Holtby because there are going to be stretches in the season like we've seen through this first 10, 12, 13 games where there are going to be a lot of games in short succession and you are going to need both guys. So you can't afford to leave one of them behind in terms of feeling confident about his game and getting into the net and, 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 you know, helping the team try to win games. So as much as, you know, it's going to be tempting for Travis Green, especially if he really feels like he's got one guy going and, you know, the battle for playoff spots is going to be contested all season long. Uh, you know, in past years, he's gone to Jacob Markstrom in situations where, you know, maybe you would think that it would have done Markstrom better to have a night off. So I'll be very interested to look back at the stretch of games after the back-to-back Monday, Tuesday in Montreal to see, you know, what what sort of philosophy this coaching staff decides to take on in terms of how they manage their goaltenders and manage their rest and manage their starts. Do you think we will be seeing a rotation of guys on the third line or in the bottom six 
with Jake yesterday, with Gaudette, as we saw this week. Zach McEwen's watched. Roussel might be in that. Do you think we'll see four or five guys that play well? You're in the lineup. Struggle, we're going to replace you and see if someone else comes in hotter and better. Yeah, I, I think so. And that's the, the beauty of having a, a little bit more added forward depth than they have in the past and having internal competition. Uh, you know, putting Jake in the press box makes a statement, as did putting Adam Gaudet in the press box, which is that, you know, just because you've been a guy that's played most games in past years doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be that way going forward. And, and, you know, not just the guys you mentioned, but they have the taxi squad available to them as well. So we could see Justin Bailey get into a game. Um, And especially if the schedule gets hot and heavy in terms of games, uh, you know, we've talked about managing rest, and I heard you guys talking about it off the top, that it may not apply apply as much to the star players, although I think the coaching staff, and, and we've seen it even this week, is going to have to be more diligent about managing minutes for the top guys within games. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see, you know, a scheduled night off for Elias Pettersson like you would see for Kawhi Leonard in the NBA or, or whatever it yeah. might be. Those guys are going to have to manage their minutes. But in the bottom six, it does create an opportunity to bring some fresh legs into the lineup if you've had a busy schedule. And it's an opportunity to keep your players accountable and say, look, if, if you're not going to perform, if you're just going to be a passenger out there or you're going to be, you know, if I look at Jake's game, I wouldn't say he's been awful. I would say he's been just there. And, you know, in the NHL and with the way things are going to be in this North Division this year, how many guys can you afford to have in your lineup that are just there and just, just hanging out and playing the game and not necessarily being, you know, big big difference makers and you know i'm not picking on jake when i say that you can apply that to Goddard to a certain extent certainly you can apply it to antoine roussel although i've liked him better the last few games since travis green moved him down to the beagle mott line i think they've sort of built some chemistry and that might be a perfect spot for him but absolutely um you know it's a it's a great tool having extra bodies around the team for Travis Green to, to slot guys in and out of the lineup. And you know what? That's going to apply to the back end with guys like Chatfield and Joel Levy as well. Uh, we're up against the clock, but nice to catch up. Who's winning the Rumble this weekend? So you've got to tell me because I've uh, I've been out of touch with what's happening, so I have no idea. Pat, you've grown but, up. That's what you have. You've grown up. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to be watching. Don't worry. Uh, but, uh, but I've been so puck-focused, I guess you could say, yeah. over the last month that I've got no idea who the favorite is. I've actually got to enter my picks in a pool. And I have no idea. So, Seaball, who should I pick? I don't. You know, my, man, I'm stumped. I was talking to um, Peter Klein from uh, Sportsnet 960 in Calgary the other day, and I, I was kind of stumped when he asked me. I, he, he suggested Big E. Big E's the guy to watch in the Rumble this weekend. So, go with that pick. Okay, I'm picking him, and then it's your fault if he doesn't win. Exactly. Yeah, blame, blame me, okay? When in doubt. There's a, there's a me and James, so you can blame me. Uh, take I care, Batch. I had no idea Lindros was wrestling. <laughs> Stranger things Thanks, have happened, buddy. buddy. Take care. There Appreciate he is, Brendan Bachelor, the uh, voice of the uh, Vancouver Canucks here on Sportsnet 650. Batch and Hershey back at it tomorrow as the Canucks open up against the Winnipeg Jets. All right, 27 minutes after 8 o'clock. We'll get the good times rolling, get those submissions in. Canucks in a song. We hit the music. The Dunbar Lumber text line is hopping at 650-650. What song sums up the Canucks performance last night? We'll share ours. We'll hit the music next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Who's talking paradise after sweeping the Senators? Come on. Greg Ballack, who made that submission in there on the Dunbar Lumber text line? Who was that? Jason and Kamloops. Come on, man. Paradise from Roth? Come on. Well, listen, uh, I'm chuckling the same thing to go, man, any word paradise considering the world we're living in right now. But I appreciate it, Jason. You're an avid listener of the show, and for that two and a half, three hours, three times this week, your life was really good as a Canucks man. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, Friday, nice, upbeat song. That's what you want with the Canucks in a song. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, Sabalski and Solkowski here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. Uh, rolling into the weekend and uh, the Canucks sweeping the Ottawa Senators. What's your Canucks in a song? Where, where's your head at after that performance last night? Well, listen, uh, Friday, you and I, we get to be DJs if the Canucks win on a Thursday after every game. Canucks in a song. I love this. But I have to apologize in a sense because what you want, you want an upbeat. You want to feel good. It's Friday, man. We're almost done in a half an hour. But the way I interpreted last night watching that game, Canucks in a song, I, for the first time, as I challenged the listeners, I challenged myself. Okay, well, yeah, we got these upbeat songs. You know what? I took it from the standpoint of the Ottawa Senators. What would they be thinking about this series against the Canucks? And if they had to play Canucks in a song, and I went up with a little cold play, fix you. Lights will guide you home and ignite your bones. And I will try to fix you. Thank you, Ottawa Senators. The lights did guide us home. The lights found the lotto line. They found number 40. And yes, the Ottawa Senators, they did fix you. There you go. My Canucks in the song this Friday. Nice choice. Nice, uh, mellow way to kind of roll into the weekend. Uh, for me last night, look, it was about getting on a roll against the Ottawa Senators. They outscore the Sens 16-3 in that three-game miniseries. You had three key facets of the team that finally kind of got sparked up. They tightened things up defensively. They got good goaltending these last three games. And the lotto line picked themselves up and came back to the life. To win three games and to check the boxes in three departments, I'm going with a little blind melon. Shout out to Schoolhouse Rock, because three is the magic number. is the magic number my friend and uh 650 650 is the dunbar lumber text line as the submissions continue to pour in how about this uh yael i hope i got your name pronounced right but you can get it if you really want it jimmy cliff you can get it if you really
Boy, got to work harder, right? Wasn't that the feeling after what you were seeing after Saturday night's loss at Rogers Arena to the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah, if you improve your play, if you work harder, good things happen. Thank you, Jimmy Cliff. Yeah, no, you know what? Uh, yeah, you fantastic submission. Like we said, we do Canucks in the song. Think about it. I didn't know that Jimmy Cliff song, but tell me those lyrics don't exactly say what you needed. You needed to work a little bit harder. You hear it all the time, and they did exactly that. They'll have to even take it up another degree to take on Winnipeg tomorrow night. But, yeah, great submission as people are kind of thinking outside the box that we like as we challenge you to wrap up what we saw this past week for the Vancouver Canucks. Love this submission. Uh, it was uh, They didn't put their name on this text here on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, but Zach McEwen is earning his car endorsement deal, right? Look at how he was playing last night, feisty, dropping the gloves as well. And this one, a little Mark Morrison, return of the Mac. I feel like this was kind of even before auto-tune was cool. This guy's yeah. voice was something else. But the Zach attack gets going, and this kind of also apropos for the lotto line finding their swag again, Pear. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And, uh, you know, the Zach return was good. He steps in. Adam Gaudet there with Kachuk does his fighting. Another little thing where they get together and go, all right, everybody's got our back. This is the new chemistry we have in the room. I'll play a bigger role for you guys. And we saw that, and you're right. Uh, return to Zach McEwen, and he's one of those guys that we talked about with Batch. All right, you've got to give it to me every night, Zach, because if you have a couple of nights where you're just there, that's not good enough, and we'll have someone else to try and do that. So liked it, a little uh, little swagger. That always reminds you of, of the summertime, right? If you're watching the games on, on the NHL Live, every time they went to commercial break or any ad used to be Return of the Mac. But uh, like it, good submission. Uh, Kevin with another Van Halen submission this morning. I'll wait. You know, Pear, I'll wait. And I think this is kind of where both of our head spaces are respectively at after a 5-5 five and five start to the season. Yes, you took care of business against Ottawa, but what have you really got for this team right now, right? How good are you really? The true measuring stick. I'll wait for Saturday and then Monday and Tuesday and then ultimately Thursday, Saturday, and Monday with that six-game road trip starting tomorrow night against the Jets. Great submission by Kevin because I, I think that's where, as excited as the fan base was, here, listen, you have the fanatic fans. This is crazy. They've got to beat Ottawa. We're terrible. What's going to happen? Um, I think the logical fans are, oh, they'll straighten it out. And they have. So now you're 500. But you're also logical. Well, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure we're much better than Winnipeg. I'm not so sure we're better than Calgary. I'll wait and see. I still don't know what we have in this hockey team. But they certainly weren't as poor as they played in the first two weeks. There were reasons for that. They're coming back. But Kevin, good submission. I think that's apropos. I'll wait. Let's see where we are in a couple weeks. Uh, big worm going with a little Colonel Abrams. I'm not gonna let off. I'm not gonna let. I'll let you, you get the best of me. I'm not gonna let go. I'll let you, no. I get the best. You get the best of me. 
if you were a diehard Canuck loyalist, you probably would have been thinking this song over the course of the week, right? Because I'm not going to let you get the best of me. All the hating, the criticism. Uh, the Canucks showing well this week. Uh, and all ends of the ice, right? I mean, look, I, I still don't love the fact that they're giving up way too many shots on goal. But I would say outside of the Connor Brown scoring opportunity, you know, most of the scoring chances have kind of, especially against Ottawa, they were more so to the outside pair, right? Like they weren't those high-danger scoring chances that the Canucks were just bleeding that we saw in the games against Montreal and against the Calgary Flames. They paid a price when they made mistakes against those teams. Uh-huh. Um, they didn't pay the price with Ottawa on a 5-on-3 that just showed no, uh, no creativity from the Senators last night. They'll they'll need to be better. I, I think Travis Green had said in one of his postgame comments this week, it's it's kind of the risk reward. You know, those players, and speaking of a Hughes and a Petey, they're superstars, they're elite because they are confident enough in their ability to take the risks because there's a big reward. But those risks just, you know, they're rolling the dice and they weren't coming up right. I think they will continue to do that. Made some passes on power plays yesterday, I thought, that weren't probably the logical ones. But the ones that threw sticks, they figured it would work because they have that kind of ability. They've got to clean it up uh, with no doubt. And I thought it was interesting what Batch said. You know, the one thing that they did prior to getting to the bubble is they looked defensively at how they had to be better and tighter from the way they were in the regular season. And they achieved that. Can they do that again? Well, it's new personnel. Whatever they wanted to do in the summertime, Tanif's not here. It's Schmidt that has to learn it, right? It's Chatfield that has to learn it but I think they found a formula that works. It's just a matter of how far and how quickly they can put that in place. Uh, we'll look ahead to uh, the weekend's action in the National Hockey League coming up and the Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at 9 o'clock. Hey, a couple of other shout-outs here before we get going uh, in a moment here, but uh, back in the saddle, Randy from Maple Ridge. Okay, we might have to put a ban on that one just because there's been a lot of requests for that one uh, this week, uh, so no more Aerosmith back in the saddle, but take me to the top, Motley Crue, from, that's from John and Langley. Um, how about uh, Never Going Back Again, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Little Ray Charles from Vance and the Loops from You Don't Know Me. Great submission, man. Try to figure out this identity crisis for the Canucks. So thank you very much for everybody taking part and playing along this morning. It's crazy to see how many people have been jumping in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Sabalski. Some final thoughts before we turn things over to Scotty. <laughs> right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right, 848 here on this Friday morning. The Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at the top of the clock as Scotty be spitting hot fire until noon here on Sportsnet 650. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you. I just got a message in here from Ken Priestley from Dunbar Lumber Pair and his uh, Canucks in the song. Youth Gone Wild from Skid Row. I'm going to say that doesn't surprise me from Ken. Skid Row. Nice. I feel like Ken would have had a pretty solid mullet back in the day. Does Ken think because he's a big part of the show and a big supporter of the show, by the way, you got some home renovations or you're doing some stuff, get to Dunbar Lumber today. And, And we love Ken 730, you know, every Wednesday. But does he feel he can just go directly to you? And avoid our text line to put it up there. That clearly feels like he's got like a he feels like he's got a direct line to the show by by messaging yeah. me. 
as opposed to just <laughs> and Ken, Ken and Ladner. And yeah, as, oppo- as opposed exactly to just that. texting in as Ken from Ladner. Um, yeah, he's, Ken he's from just... Ladner, Stanley Cup champ. Uh, okay uh you know what hey we should also remind you this hour of the starting lineup presentation of our good friends over at surrey honda check out nasir and the gang over at surrey honda located at 152nd and fraser highway you'll find quality and community so this weekend only one game in the national hockey league tonight man like what a weird way that they've kind of scheduled this week right yeah like one game monday 13 tuesday one game two games wednesday 14 Thursday, one game Friday, and then it's a jam-packed weekend here. Yeah, and I, and I would think, you know, normally, under normal circumstances, you're looking what the other leagues are doing. Uh, but to have the quiet that you do with the NFL, because everything will go crazy next week for them and, and so much conversation south of the border, man, I, I, I just would have loaded this week up. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. You get one game here tonight. Uh, and then that's it. You know, Columbus has got Chicago, and part of it is kind of juggling some schedules, I guess. Game cancels like we saw last night with Las Vegas. But, yeah, um, it's been difficult. Do you got to – were we winners yesterday? I was a loser. I took the New York Islanders in a suggested bet to everybody, and we looked pretty good up 3 nothing after the first 20 minutes. I picked Islanders two lose to Washington. Who did you have? I, I offered up two winners last night. I offered up the under in the uh, in the Anaheim-Arizona game last night, which ended in a 3-2 final. And I also had the Montreal Canadiens uh, beating the uh, Calgary Flames last night. So um, there you go. You got that. Are you suggesting anything this weekend or tonight? I am looking at the NBA for this evening, and you've got the Brooklyn Nets on the road against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, the Nets and their big three magic firepowered offense, they come in as nine-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Give me the home team. I like the Thunder here. The Thunder, after kind of scuffling, they've found their stride. They're plucky again. They've won two straight. This game will be closer than you think. Yes, I get that the Nets can score but I like OKC to keep this one close at home, so give me the thunder tonight. Yeah, and there is only the one NHL game, Columbus and Chicago. Watched a little bit of that Nashville-Chicago game the other day. Nashville was all over them in the two-game set. Should have beat them handily in both games. They didn't. Not a lot other than Patrick Kane there right now in Chicago, and I'll take the work ethic of the Blue Jackets and John Tortorella, who await the arrival and heralding one of the greatest scorers of all time now, to wear a Columbus Blue Jacket uniform. They're excited when he arrives. I'll just take the Blue Jackets right now to beat a bad Chicago Blackhawks team tonight. You know, um, so the the government of Minnesota, uh, sorry, the government of Manitoba uh, recently announced that uh, they were just going to do a seven-day quarantine, by the way, for um, Pierre-Luc Dubois. They signed off on that for the Jets. Um, but because of the time of the deal, Dubois will not play for Winnipeg tomorrow against the Canucks. So the Canucks do catch a little bit of a break there, but that's still a pretty loaded Winnipeg squad that the Canucks roll into Winnipeg uh, tomorrow night to take on the Jets. Yeah, it's a good hockey team, right? Um, And I just think they're all going to be grouped together. Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Vancouver. And, you know, I, I like this. I think somehow when we saw this team struggle, you just wondered what they could do. But give credit to Sutter, who started this thing off with a hat trick. They've continually played well from a bottom six, and now the top six is fixed. And I think sometimes, James, this city is just really hesitant and scared, right? We've been bitten so many times, and we thought last week, 
My goodness, really? You make these changes? Jim Benning, you couldn't do anything. Tyler Toffoli's ripping it up, and we've got nothing. And then it was kind of like, hey, no, 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 you still have us. And it was fun to see that this week. But we'll see what they can do in Winnipeg. Joey Kemmer pointed out to me, that's a 9 o'clock start in Winnipeg tomorrow night. You live in the peg, not that you're doing anything. But a 9 o'clock start for them locally in Winnipeg. 7 o'clock, the back end of Hockey Night in Canada. We'll see what we get, man. Let's... If you can get a good Canuck performance there, boy, the confidence they'll take to Montreal to kind of avenge what happened here last week. Uh, we got to get out of here. Scotty's up next with the Scott Rintoul Show. We're back at it Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Don't forget, pregame show tomorrow, 5 o'clock. Puck drop with Batch and Hershey tomorrow night at 7 o'clock with the Canucks and the Jets. Keep it here for your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.